This episode of the Link Up Podcast is brought to you by Moody & Co. CBD is everywhere these days, from supplement and nutrition stores to gas station displays. With so many options, how can anyone make sense of what to buy, how to properly dose, or trust in the quality and purity of the products? Luckily, our friends at Moody & Co. have all your bases covered. Moody & Co.'s products started their life, hand-grown, and cultivated following strict organic growing practices in the fertile soil of the West Tennessee Delta. Each hemp plant was hand-planted on their family-operated farm, fed only high-quality organic nutrients, and finished their life free of any toxic pesticides and sprays. Moody & Co.'s world-class extraction and manufacturing partners are FDA-grade and CGMP compliant, so you can be sure each and every product is of the highest quality. What about potency and purity? Each of Moody & Co.'s products is third-party, lab-tested before and after the manufacturing process, and the tests are available for you right on their website. Their website is www.moodyand.co. I'll spell that for you. That's www.moodyand.co. How about that for transparency? Dosing instructions are on each bottle and their tinctures feature graduated droppers so you can be sure you are taking exactly what you need. With all the uncertainty about what goes into the products that go into you, you can rest easy with Moody & Co. CBD. Available at www.moodyand.co or on the shelf in Memphis and Oxford, Mississippi locations of Nail Bar & Co. Once again, I'll spell that website for you. It's www.moodeand.co. And now to our episode. How long do we have you for? Um, however long you need. We can we can go with it, and we can talk about whatever you need. What we can cover. I mean, we've we've been talking since I walked in the door. So. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, we should have just hit record. Sure, yeah. <laughs> so I how long have you been the... working at the Memphis Record Press? Is that how you say it? Memphis that, Record Pressing. Okay. Um, I've been there for almost four years. Uh, I started in 2019, and it was a completely different environment because it's still kind of manufacturing, and it was a completely different environment then, but like and t- today, in just four years, the growth and everything that we experience is amazing. Um, I've seen a lot of changes, and and the industry has kind of changed at the same time. So it's you experience, um that perspective and you're there's challenges that go in with that. So it's, it's one of those things where you're kind of trying to like move forward and, and enjoy the growth and experience the growth. But with that comes just the struggles of trying to get through to the next day. So, but it's, it's amazing. I'm very grateful to work there. I have a lot of fun working there. I mean, I have hard days, but just doing what I do and the whole experience is fantastic for me. So it's it's kind of rewarding at the end of the day. 
even though I'm tired, but it's pretty good. What made you decide to do that for a living? Let's see. Um, at, honestly, I, I it it was kind of on accident, I guess. Not really on accident, but it was more or less like I wasn't striving, but the idea sounded really awesome. And then I, I kind of got into it, and then I just didn't want to leave. Yeah. And it's awesome. There's so many musicians from Memphis that work there. Oh, okay. So there's there's a lot of little relationships that have been around for a long time that is it like the owners, musicians own recording studios, etc. They did CDs for I want to say almost like two decades close. Oh. Like they finally phased that out yeah. like just recently they kind of phased that out so but they've always been into that so and they kind of fell over into the whole vinyl industry and it's just been growing ever since so yeah i saw that last year vinyl outsold cd for the first time since you know cd first came out oh yeah it's cds are very obsolete at this point <clears throat> for even for artists i mean it's you could release stuff on cd but the industry they want vinyl uh, the record labels, they want to sell vinyl. And that's just, that's the way. Because streaming, streaming has kind of taken over that thing. I mean, you buy cars now. There's not even yeah. a record player in them. I mean, not a record player, but a CD player in yeah. them. You know, so it's uh, it's it's an interesting change. But, I you know, I think that happens with everything. So you just kind of have to adapt and move and figure out how to go forward. So what brought the records back? Was it like the hipster movement or something? No, I don't think that was really part of it. I really think streaming was the thing that did that. Like people wanted more crisper sound. Oh, it sounds better. That's what I hear. Oh, like I guess he would. Yeah, he would know. Uh, well, there's an experience listening to digital music and then CD quality and then vinyl quality. Like there's there's a difference between those. Um, I wouldn't say one's better than the other, for, at least from my perspective. Mm-hmm. Some other people might have a different opinion on that. Um, that I'm not that guy. Um, for me, I think the experience of the vinyl, like buying a vinyl, being able to collect it, that whole ritual yeah. is something that people can hold on to. And when streaming came up and everything's digital, you lost that CD aspect. Mm. So vinyl was a way to hold on to that. Like I was buying vinyls. I could go into Goodwill go into the little record section, find, like, I guess, like a state sale or just drop-offs of amazing records, like original pressings of them. Damn. For, like, $2. Wow. And I'm just like, heck, yeah. And then I buy those, and I was collecting them, and then it started going, I want to say, I could go in there and I – it looked like somebody started cleaning it out. Hmm. I didn't really realize what was going on, you know? And then those same albums that I bought for $2 are now a hundred dollars. What? Yes. Wow. Cause they're, they're I mean, they're, <coughs> people are collecting them. Yeah. It's a, it's a value. And now, I mean, a lot of those albums are being repressed today, but it's new. It's not the you know. It's not that original pressing. Yeah. You know. So, but I'm I'm sure vinyl's gonna be sticking around for 
a hot minute. So it's it's for the record labels. It's an easy way for them to still sell music. Um, but the industry, as far as my perspective and what I know, the that it's backed up. That is the the scheduling, everything. So artists are taking longer to put out albums, mm-hmm. put more time in between releases because they need to be able to release their record whenever they can release the vinyl. And yeah, that, we got that's a, the challenge. What is it, Icarus plan? Mm-hmm. Yeah, the Icarus plan right here. Yeah. Yeah, I remember when Ed and them were actually they were wanting to do this. They were thinking about going through us f- for that, but they had to choose a different route just because we are so busy. Mm. So, and there's a couple bands that I know that were had had to go through the same experience. So, because yeah, that little white just put out his too, right? His the twenty year, yeah. Mm-hmm. Y'all made that. We I did. heard, yeah, we did. So. But yeah, I mean it's super cool. Um, it's the science behind it is really interesting because you're taking PVC plastic, it's a compound, and you're melting it down, and then you're taking audio and you're pressing it into this plastic. That's so crazy. Do y'all do tours? Um, we did in the past, and I think we'll probably still do that again. But it, it just depends on what we're pressing. Oh, okay. And what's going on yeah. there when we can. Got you. Um, because, like I said, we're under NDAs and we have contracts that we have to abide by. So it, there's a lot of just hush hush. Yeah. So, and that. But I want to say that we that with this new facility and how we've expanded, that we should have some tours coming through at some point. So, but if when we do, I would definitely let y'all know. Yeah, because I want to see like the process of like how it goes from the plastic you were saying to the music, to the music getting imprinted on it or whatever. Like, so how long does it take for from that pro- from the first step of the plastic melt being melted into actually becoming a record for I could buy? I mean, a vinyl I could buy. Um, about thirty seconds. Oh, wow. I thought you were going to say like 30 days. <laughs> no, no, no. Oh, no, no. I'm just kidding. No, um, to make the record, it's very short. Uh, packaging, there is a cooling process um, that it has to go through before it gets packaged because it is hot. Once that goes through, it will go to distribution and then it will go out. It depends on the, like, the level of the job, the artist, on the process that it goes through. So um, we have like, like press by dates and then we have due dates. For the jobs, uh, and we have like kind of a wiggle room time on when we. That way, if we run into any issues or anything like that, we can we can still make the deadline. But it's all planned accordingly, and we have people that are very good at that in managing the, those situations. So, but I would say a, a couple weeks, a few weeks, if everything, all the all the pieces, all the parts are in place, it, it's like a few weeks before it can be where it be available to be sold. So that's not long. So who started the company? Uh, Brandon Seavers and Mark Yoshida. And then were they just always in the music? Yeah, they've always they've always been in that that realm. They they owned a company called uh, Audiographic Masterworks, and they did all the CDs for a lot of the artists locally. I want to say if there's an artist or a 
hip hop person, rapper of that sort that you know or you listen to at some point that came out of the city of Memphis, they probably did their CDs for them. Mm. I've even had bands in the past that did CDs through them. Oh, so, really? Yeah, for sure. That's impressive, man. Yeah, and they—I mean, they—I mean, they did it for so long. Uh, they stuck with it, and um, uh, there's—I don't really know. I can't really speak for them as far as like their decision making and why yeah. they went into vinyl, but um, but they—I do know that they—they they bought some presses from a place up in New Jersey and brought those down. And that's where they kind of started with the whole vinyl making. And um, just it grew from there. So um, we we work with a lot of other big pressing plants throughout the world. Uh, we're definitely affiliates with them. Um, without me going into too much detail and all that, but we... We're we're definitely the one of the biggest ones in the whole country. We're actually probably the biggest one. Damn, in the whole country. that's yeah. awesome. That is amazing. Mm-hmm. And it's right down the street by Brims. <laughs> it's that's actually across <laughs> the street from yeah. Brims. Yeah. You know, one day I saw this person walk into that Circle K right there with a t-shirt on. You right, and I was like, I've seen that logo. I've, I know people that work there, yeah. and I asked him, I was like, Hey, where y'all? Where's this at? He goes, Dude, it's right there. I was like, from the Brims? Across the street from Brims? He was like, yeah. I was like, I drive past that thing like every fucking day. Yeah, it's, uh, yep, it's there. I'll go outside. I can smell them making like pork rinds <laughs> or, or like caramel popcorn. I know when they burn stuff too, I can definitely smell it when they burn <laughs> stuff over there. So, um, yeah, we, I mean, the because of the industry we're on, we have to deal with plastics. We have to deal with paper. Um and that, I mean, that's all, you know, that's a challenge. So when we we go through all that, but there's one of the paper places that we use is over there kind of where Brims is too. So that, it kind of works out for us, I guess, in a way. We have, um, we have one main location where we do all the production. And then we have another location where we do all the packaging and the shipping and the receiving on our, like, as far as like final products and paper goods and all that stuff. And uh, I mean, we pretty much have that that corner area of of Appling and Stage kind of locked down. I want to say because I mean, we're just growing. I mean, there's a few other businesses over there, so it's. But I mean, if you drive down Brother Boulevard, like when you're at Stage and Appling, you cross that, you, you can't miss us now. I mm-hmm. mean, we're there. Um, it's cool. I mean, it's. I you know, it was at first. It was kind of like. <sighs> There was all there was talk about it, and then you just you kind of watched it every day. You would watch it, just keep going, keep going, keep going, keep getting bigger. We um, we just added thirty. I want to say thirty six presses. Wow. How many y'all have originally? Um, when I first started working there, there was twelve. Wow. So now you have forty eight. And there were half of them were really old machines, like from like the seventies and eighties. And then some of them were these newer ones. Um, and then we started phasing out the old machines and getting all new ones. So now we have all new machines. Uh, two are, are manual presses, uh, which are more on hand. They kind of flow, and the other ones are automated. You still have to manage them and watch them and go through the whole process of while they're being pressed. But they kind of just run. Um, but... That was ended up in our one building. We have 16 total, and then we'll have 36 completely when everything's done in the new building. 
So how many can you make per machine per day of the, all the new ones? Um, yeah. Yeah, that, yeah, yeah, that's what I want. So I, I can give you a little bit of the math. Uh, just like, all right, like average would be, per, so we, we run three shifts. All right, so we're we're definitely a twenty four seven business, wow. five days a week. Um, each machine per shift, the average good pass records that can make it through QC, uh, I would say about eight hundred fifty per machine. Per machine, holy shit! I had no idea vinyl was so big. I know my nephew collects the shit out of it. You know, he's he did like the Goodwill thing you were talking about. And I was like, so this is your new hobby? He was like, well, it's not a hobby. Like, this is going to be a lot of money. I'm like, oh, okay. Calm down, Gary V. The the numbers are, at, at the end of the day, when it comes to, like, the orders and everything that we do without me going into too much detail, yeah. the numbers are are very high. So, um, it, it's pretty amazing. But it, it takes a lot to, to make that happen. Um, it's... um. <laughs> very it, it it you can't just jump in there and and and, and figure this situation out like it, it takes a little bit of experience and sometimes it's like mad scientists as far as like understanding how the machine works how the plastic this because you're dealing with a lot of temperatures because it has to be perfect it's not just like a manufacturing job where you're making a cup or you're making a bowl um, or some type of plastic you actually have an an object that has audio on it. So that has to be perfect too. And that's the thing that we focus on is making sure that the, the vinyl sounds good. So there is a lot of people in play that make sure that we're running because we're running these numbers that we're making good vinyls all day. So it's, it's really interesting. Um, we're actually hiring. So with this expansion, we're always hiring, bring people in. I could probably link that for this. Like, if somebody that's listening would be interested and in maybe wanting to come work for Memphis Record Pressing, yeah, it'd be really cool. Do you guys do like weekend work only? Is that like a weekend team or something? No. Um, oh, you guys we, work on a weekend. That's right. My bad. No, no. It's 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 definitely Monday through Friday. <laughs> um, we do we do sometimes work on the weekend. It just depends on the demand of mm. like of certain jobs and and dealing with the challenges of of weather or something happening because we you know we've had like a, some snowstorms, some ice, and we've had to shut down and we couldn't operate for a few days, so we'd have to make it up like on a Saturday. So, so what is the process of pressing it? Like getting it from the record label or whoever the artist to putting it actually on the, to the record. All right. So it, it's, it's kind of what I actually do is I'm, I make one of the, one of the things I do is I make test presses. So okay. um, the artist sends the masters off and it gets mastered for vinyl quality, vinyl audio. Uh, they ship it off and then it gets made into a lacquer and then the lacquer um, gets plated. So it's just electroplating, uh, you know, with nickel. And that's what they send us. It's called a stamp. Uh, and it's, it's, it's a negative, but there's a A side, a B side, mm-hmm. or if it's, there's also, it could be a C or a D side. Um, once all that gets, a, they'll send those, we'll run them. Um, 
they will go through a QC process where we have an, like in-house people that listen to them, make sure that the masters, the stamps, all that stuff is good to go. And they'll send it off to for client approval. So they'll overnight these. Um, the client will get them. They'll listen. Uh, they'll either approve it or not approve it. And then we'll just go from there. If it gets approved, then we'll order. We'll go ahead and put it in to production. We'll, we'll have the stamps on hand or they'll be or, ordered and then they'll be shipped to us. And then we'll schedule it for our, our production and we'll start running it. Um, and during that process, I mean, we have so many numbers that we follow, whatever the order is. And when we're done, we'll ship that off to packaging. Packaging will make it all nice and neat and pretty. And then it will be shipped off. Wow. So it's it's not a lengthy process, but there's like certain time that has to go into every bit of it. Uh, the turnaround isn't on the I would say on the front end, there's a lot more time that has to go into it as far as like approvals. Um, but once it hits production and it hits packaging, it, it, that it's it, it's the home run. So um it's a really cool process as far as like watching these records be made. Yeah. So, uh, so these machines that we use, these presses, they have two molds. It's hydraulic, obviously. Uh, the stampers will go on top and bottom. And there's this screw, it's an extruder screw. It's heated. Uh, it's probably like on average, the temps will be anywhere from. 240 it has different zones 240 like starting and it'll go up to close to like 300 degrees yikes and it melts there's all these little like beads of plastic um it falls down into the screw the screw will push it out and then there's a a cake former we call them pucks because it looks like a hockey puck Mm -hmm. it has a little hole in it it'll form onto these forks the forks will push it into the machine pins will catch it and then I'll pull that out, and then the presses will press it down. So wild. But there's there's other there's other things to it. So there's an arm that swings over, and then two arms that swing over that have the labels for the top and bottom. So it's all timed perfectly. Um, and then the the record is actually stuck in the arm because it has like this flash that kind of pushes out that catches the arm. It'll swing over. There's a pusher that will push it through down to a trim table, and the knife will cut it, and then there's suction cups that will pick it up by the label and drop it over onto the thing. So, <laughs> so impressive. But with that, there's so many things that can go wrong. Yeah, I was about to say, man. I mean, with all that automated, how do you say it? Automation. Automation, yeah. yeah. Like, so your job, I mean, you guys have to be there to make sure oh, everything's yeah. right. I mean, and the, everything's so fragile. Like, the, the one thing that... Um, the stampers, the stampers that we use are so, so fragile. Um, if they get a little nick, I'm talking about just a little scratch. That's it. And the, the price form is is not necessarily, it's not really, really expensive, but it's not cheap and it adds up. So we try to be very, very careful mm. when when dealing with those. But like accidents happen and, and sometimes the plastic will literally scratch them. Mm. And when that happens, we have to replace it. So we order enough to like, fulfill the orders that we have to but i mean i've literally put stamps on the machine and had to like literally take them off like immediately so wow yeah it's a pretty interesting process i i I love my job um it's uh 
it's pretty rewarding to be a part of um, the team that I have and the people that I work with and just the the experience of making the vinyls and the jobs that we do and stuff like that's really awesome. So it's pretty cool. I don't think I could work there. I'll tell you why. Because I'd be the one that keeps on fucking up the little thing that you were just talking about. What is it called again? The flint? <laughs> well, it, well, it's stampers. Um, I get fired. Uh, it's, I mean, everybody does it. It's the pro- That's the problem is, is because it, there's a lot of frailty with that. Like, it just happens. Um, I've seen crazy things happen in the machine. I'm like, how did this, how, how did this happen? But like, you have to unfuck it, you know? I mean, you're just like, all right, well, let me fix this issue. Um, but there's no telling there could have been, it could have been an operator. Um, something in the machine could have just, I mean, it's machinery. Something could have felled on it and it just, the timing was off. And I mean, parts, I mean, that's why we have parts. So we have a maintenance team. Um, they're able to, to fix the issues and we just keep moving. So I don't know, <laughs> but it, it, it is kind of nerve wracking when people, um, when people first start doing that and they're being trained for that position, they, they, they're, they're very nervous when they're dealing with the stampers and which is fine. It's good. You should, you should be very cautious, but at the same time, it's like, it's like, here, let me, let me, let me show you like how to do this in an easy way where you don't feel uncomfortable. Like I feel like a, a fell safe. Like there's just a way where you can do it where it, the least amount of mistakes are going to mm, happen. Yeah. And uh, that is possible. But it took me like months and months of figuring that out, like a lot of trial and error. Uh, and I, I have like a system of how I do things and I don't change it. I do it this way and I get at least to me, I get good results uh, and less mistakes and less problems I have to fix later. So what was your first job there? Uh, actually, I worked on logistics. The logistics side, which was really, it was the company was a lot smaller then. And like I worked in shipping and we had me and one other dude mm. that was doing it. Um, and a little bit later, like right after the pandemic, I moved over to the production side and that was where I really started to see it. And I just kind of moved my way through, you know, I, I learned different things. I like to be, you know, Jack of all trades, master of none. Yeah. That's kind of always been, you know, how I've been with everything. So, um, but yeah, it's definitely a, it's a cool place, man. It really is. It's uh, I never, I never dreamed that I would ever work in vinyl, but now here I am. So I always wonder about like those kind of industries, like who is the person that came up with that idea and then it, it was in their head and then they actually did it. And then like, especially like, you know, we have equipment now, but like back in the day when they first started making records, like how did they know that, Basically, it's like Braille, would you not say? Like a version of Braille? Uh, I mean, I mean, I guess that would be a good way to, to explain it to some people. That uh, it, it is. Um, what it is is uh, the audio is being captured. Like they, used, they would have like these wax wheels. Mm-hmm. And they would have like this, this like microphone, like phonograph looking thing that would capture the sound going into it. And you could so only crazy. play them back so many times before like they were just done. But that was kind of like the early start of, yeah. of this. And of course, you know, um, innovation happened and that's how we ended up in vinyl. But it's, you know, it's, it's a lot of science. So. I got to watch some YouTube videos about this. Day. Oh yeah. There's plenty <laughs> of stuff that you can, you can find. I want to say the first time I ever saw vinyls was like on like a how, uh, how it's made or whatever. Mm. 
was like I was like late night. It had to been like you know maybe like two decades ago. Just those kind of, those kind of shows are cool as shit. Oh yeah, they're, it's just like late night. You're kind of like you know you're like sitting on the couch or in bed and you're just like watching the stuff and just like mesmerized. Yeah, it's but, one thing to know how to use something, but to know how it works is totally different. Absolutely, I loved it when they were like making the like the globes. I was like watching them make like the little globes that you can buy in stores, like the Earth. You're just like, oh, that's kind of cool. <laughs> so, so how did you get into music? Uh, my background in music is, I I got into it very young. Um, I kind of had a little bit of an eccentric childhood. Um, my dad had cover bands, and he was a musician. He could play trumpet, piano, guitar. Uh, like my mom was like a writer. But, like, half of her family were, like, musically inclined, and um, my dad's family was musically inclined. So, like, growing up, I had, like, this kind of childhood where I was, like, surrounded by creatives. Um, You know, I came from a very, like, middle-class family, Um, but, like, that was our interest. That's what we did. That was our hobbies. I mean, my mom did it for, like, a job. I mean, she was, like, a published author. So was my grandmother. They both wrote books in the 80s, early 90s. Um, but I was just surrounded by that atmosphere so much that I didn't really know anything other than that. So I just kind of picked up on it. I was always into art. I was always into reading and writing. And then I was always into music. Uh, my dad, I think I learned, I started learning a lot of cover songs. It'd be like Leonard Skinner, the Eagles or Santana, um, CCR, stuff like that. But once I started, I started finding my own music. And uh, I just I went exploring. My parents weren't really. I was never like a, I was never really sheltered from what music I could listen to, so I could just I could explore, and I found so much stuff, and I just stayed with it. Um, in high school, I had a group of friends that I played with, and we actually uh, one of them is uh, Richie from Metalsome. Me and him had a band in high school. And then right after high school, we, we actually linked up with a, a pretty big band that was out of New England called Unearth. And we recorded an EP up there. Of course, it was like early 2000s, like metalcore music. So we, I mean, we had like all this momentum, all this drive. And when you're 18 or 19 years old, I mean, that's all you want to do. It's either college or it's let's go on this adventure. And I was definitely let's go on this adventure. Mm. So, um, we did that and like there was life kind of happened in that process and like that band ended up losing the momentum that it needed because yeah i guess just things happened we couldn't really we tried to replace members that we had lost and it just didn't really have the same feel anymore um and and the interest kind of dropped so like i just kind of kept going um i've played with so many musicians in the city it's unreal um a lot of them i still am really good friends with uh but like i found myself in sore eyes at one point what's funny is my bass player from the the previous band was the drummer of sore eyes before i was in sore eyes and <laughs> like it's it's it's, it's <clears throat> the memphis music scene is very incestual um so many people are like What's funny is when I left Sore Eyes, the guy that replaced me was a guy named Landon Fox, and he is in my band today. So it's kind of it's just funny how that stuff works out. Um, but uh, uh, there's so many great musicians in the city, um, and th- they all have personalities, and just being able to play with them um, and keep that going is is great. So like, 
there's always been like projects or talks of projects and, and everybody kind of doing something. You do it for a little while, you make one record and then you're like, all right, I'm done. You move on to the next thing. Some people stick with it and do a lot more, but you know, bands have personalities and everybody has different agendas or different ways they want to go with it. And sometimes when there's not really a good uniform process, people tend to just kind of fall off. Mm. And then like you can try to replace them, but sometimes like it's like the chemistry of those, that one group of people in the beginning that like keeps it what it is. And then it just, if that can't be replicated, then it, it's, I mean, you see that happen in bands all the time, even big bands, like they'll replace like a singer or they're, they'll replace a guitar player. And sometimes it's for the better. And then sometimes it, it doesn't work out. Mm-hmm. They just keep trying to, they keep trying to go, but it doesn't always work out. And, uh, I have, I actually had a band after Soraz, um, that we, I had some phenomenal musicians in that band, but we were all songwriters. We all had egos. Uh, we were able to make one record and that was it. And it's, it, and we're all still friends and, but it was just the process of trying to do that was so hard. Um, but it was the product was was really cool and it was very different because there was some it was like a pot of soup and everybody was just throwing in their own ingredients yeah and it either it was going to be really bad or it was going to be really good and it was just kind of like the magic was there for that one moment and it passed and I think music itself um, is like that you'll see bands that make records and there's like that one time frame where it's like the prom for the band. And then slowly they'll try to replicate that. But when they came out as a band and they they had these records out, it fit. And then 10 years, a decade, maybe even 15, 20 years, they try to keep doing that. And it does not, doesn't translate the same. And I think that that happens. I think there's like a prime for musicians and, and bands and projects where they got like a certain time frame where they're going to make their best records. And then after that, it's over. Would you agree that Aerosmith is one of those bands? Like they're <laughs> like they're like when they, you know, I didn't even think about this since you said it. Like the prime of them was like the '90s, right? And like they haven't put out anything in a while, but like it just seems like all those songs are the best to me, at least. Well, okay, so Aerosmith is actually uh, an interesting artist that we can talk about. All right, so like they had like a really good mm-hmm. era in the '70s. Um, like they were a big band, but then, you know, the eighties kind of came, everything kind of fell down. And then right there, like the late eighties, early nineties, they kind of just came back. So they had like these two little periods where they, I mean, like they, they had like a second chance, I would say, Mm. you know, they stuck with it. And I mean, they're a household name. I mean, everybody knows who Aerosmith is. So it's, uh, I think they had a good career no matter what, even if they don't put out another record. I mean, everybody, I mean, Aerosmith's legacy is there. So it's, um, that's okay. Like some bands don't have to keep putting out records. And I mean, they could go tour forever yeah. and never put out another record. So, and sometimes I feel like certain artists should do that or don't put out a whole record, maybe put out a couple songs. Um, the industry now, um, you don't have to make whole albums. I mean, you can. But you don't have to. I mean, uh, people's attention spans are super short. So being able to put out a song every every couple months 
it will keep the attention. It will keep the drive. People are interested. And you can just take every one of the songs that you released over a year or two and, and go play them live. And everybody's going to know the songs because you treat every one of the songs like a single song, like it's like a radio single or just like your best song Yeah. versus creating a whole composition where some are weaker than others. And I think there's kind of, I don't know, I feel like it's a mixed situation where you can have um, a you can have an album or you can just make an album out of the songs that you release in the end, but you don't necessarily have to put all that money and that, all that time into just making a record and then putting it out. You can just go song by song by song. And you see a lot of artists do that really truthfully. I mean, that's kind of the, the, the new way. And I think that's where digital came in and that's why CDs dropped. That's why vinyl is so big is because you can collect vinyl. You can have that album. But a lot of people are just going to go to their phone. Well, some people are going to listen to a whole record. Some people are going to just put one song on a playlist. So there's also about to be another change coming in the industry. And some people know about it. Um, but, like, I have a friend that, that works for Apple, and he's worked for Apple for um, over a decade. But he has a lot of... of intel that he gives me um and one of them is is that all these streaming services are going to move over to a thing called uh dolby atmos which is kind of like a submersive listening experience kind of like surround sound i would be like the easiest way to explain it but everybody's music is gonna to get on playlists and to be uh part of like any like national playlist that these these streaming services do you will have to have it in that format mm. so and there's only gonna be certain places because it's very very expensive to uh, move your studio over into where you can record and mix in atmos and that is the new thing that's about to happen. amazon apple they're all going to do it but that means their headphones are coming out where you're going to be able to hear that and that's something that's it's going to change the whole industry. Um, there's been talks about it from people all over that, that are getting aware of the situation and realizing this is what their next move is going to have to be. But any of those engineers or those guys that own those studios that have this ability are about to make a lot of money because they're going to have the means to be able to do this. And everybody's going to have to have their stuff sent to them to be mixed by them in their studios. It, so that was another thing. Like technology could be – a good, a good thing that like the whole basis of, of me talking on this podcast is how technology is changing all the industries. Mm -hmm. Um, it's, it's, it's very, it's kind of scary, but it's also, it's kind of like on a creative standpoint, like you're kind of excited about it because it's like something new, but uh, what happened with like the, the music world was that everybody like the, the, it's so saturated because everybody could record music at home. They didn't have to have these huge studios to do this. Well, for them to get the same type of play, now they're going to have to send their stuff off to somebody who owns an actual real studio, not like a home small home studio, to have this mixed so they can be played, so they can have their music put out. So it's going to change the game a little bit. And I, I don't know how it's <clears throat> actually going to change it, but I, I, I see it coming. I'm just going to, I guess, witness, but 
for me, I didn't want to be like, I'm trying to figure out ways how I can, I can move forward in that too, uh, as a musician and a songwriter, but also how will it affect what I do for a living as far as like a job and still the vinyl industry. Cause I feel like we're okay, but I mean, seeing like the emergence of that, the, and then seeing how everything keeps changing and it's, it's very challenging to understand what the future holds. And I have no idea. <laughs> Do you think the record industry decided to come up with this because they want to kill the DIY, DIY uh, people that are making records? I don't know. I don't know. And I, I'm, I, I probably could comment on that. I don't know if I should. <laughs> per se. Um, uh, to be honest, because like, I feel like, I mean, they, it's kind of like, uh, I mean, actually, I listened to Ed when Ed was on here. I listened to him talk, and he was talking about the 360 deal. That's like one of those things. Hmm. So, um, I mean, and that's why vinyl is what it is. You know what I'm saying? It all it all kind of goes back to the to to the the record industry, anyways. I mean, that's where everything goes. And uh, the art the art situation is like literally almost the same. <laughs> It's uh, it's it's crazy. Um, there's so, so much stuff that has happened, like in like months time, um, that I'm not sure how it's going to play out. But there's there's certain industries as far as like creative, they're going to change, and there's nothing anyone's going to be able to do about it. I've I've sat here myself and was like, all right, well, how how can I be ahead of this? Or I was like, how can I embrace this and keep moving forward and just doing what I want to do? Um, without feeling like I'm going to be left behind. And I'm like, okay, well, maybe I should just embrace these changes, figure out how I can implement them and what I like to do and just move forward. And so I, I'm, I'm kind of part of the team that's just going to go forward with that. But I try to stay uh, in the know, like, and try to get as much like, information I can or experience with all these new things that are coming out. Um, so I have that. I have that information. I have that experience. I want that because I want to be able to adapt. So, and there's going to be a lot of people who are not going to adapt. There's a lot of people who are going to try to fight all this. I I, I don't even know if it's worth trying to fight. Um, but we'll we'll see how it goes. I mean, we're, we're obviously we're going to have to see how it goes. Um, but the the Atmos thing is is I mean it, it's really I mean it's absolutely cool. I mean it's a really cool experience. It's like the future. But at the same time, I mean, it's going to leave a lot of people on the back end. You know, they're going to be like, oh, well, how do I do this? And I feel like that's not really going to affect the streaming because everybody, I mean, everybody owns that on, you know, Apple. You know, they have Apple headphones. Phones. Yes. Mm-hmm. They're, I mean, they have all the all these things. People go out and buy those and they don't buy them just for music, you know. They, and so they're going to have all these things anyways. It's going to be implemented into these products they release. And that's just going to be the new way. But for an artist and uh, a mixing engineer and all that stuff, they're going to have to follow those guidelines just so they can put their stuff out there. So we'll see how it goes. But um, the music industry, I, I don't know. Um, I don't do it on on the level that I always thought that I was going to do it. Um, because I just enjoy creating and playing. And I don't, I don't, I don't care to really make a lot of money doing that. 
because it's really just the experience for me. So it's not like I don't feel like I'm going to be challenged by this, but I'm still trying to be able to put out stuff and and on a level that's comfortable for me because I don't expect myself to go to her forever or anything like that. So it's just trying to stay on top of the industry and stay on top of all the technology advances that are happening right now. Like AI is definitely one of them. And (laughs) the crazy thing about the AI that has blown my mind is there was a guy they're using some, another artist's voice. All right. They went and they downloaded a beat. Uh, it was actually, uh, Kanye. They used his voice. They, Use the same microphone I'm talking to right now, made a recording, put Kanye's voice over on the beat, and it sounded like a Kanye song. Damn. That is going to happen, and that is only going to keep happening. So artists are going to be – I mean, there's people who cannot sing or don't have the voice. They're going to be able to do it, and they're going to mimic other people. Or they could take – they could just create a different voice for themselves and do it. And you see this in content creation a lot too. Um, AI is really the new thing that's, that's going to be driving all this and it is frightening, but also it's kind of cool. But I feel like as, like I said earlier with like people who are creatives, it's going to challenge them in the, in the job field because they're going to want to keep doing, want to do things like the old way. And they're never going to want it to adapt. So the only way that they're going to be able to be successful and still make money, still find jobs, is to to embrace this and move forward. Um, like with graphic design, with photography, um, making websites, like the the Chat GPT, um, OpenAI, that that's taken over. It's and it's you almost want to be like is like you know Skynet from Terminator. Like is going to go live? Like are you afraid? And um, it, it, that's a challenge. And actually, that could be a reality. So, But I think if they keep it in check and it's in the right hands, uh, AI can be used for, for good things. But as far as like the creative industry, there's no hope. So it's either adapt or you're just – that's it. <coughs> so that was something that I was, I was seeing happen a lot because, you know, I went to school for graphic design. And I've been doing graphic design off and on my whole life. And just being able to watch people make stuff without no effort. Mm. I was like, hmm, okay, well, there's, you know, (laughs) $26,000 in tuition out the door. Uh, But no, I, 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 I was like, okay, how can I use this and adapt? And I was like, all right, let me let me see what this is all about. Let me try to use this. Let me see how I can use this as a creative uh, example or help better my art or my creative process. And I feel like if artists do that and they re- they try to find ways to make it work for them, they'll be okay. But they have to. They're gonna have to embrace it going forward. It's. I don't know. It's so scary. I'm sure you see everything. Oh, it was like, you know, just even the apps, people taking pictures of themselves and turning themselves into cartoon characters. Oh, I bought one of those. Yeah. I mean, it's that is I mean, that there's no way that was going to be stopped. Like it was it's snowball effect. And uh, there's been so many things happening in the last, I want to say, like six months 
and the growth was almost like too much because this the the AI models that they're using they're they're like bettering their self as far as and I mean you can you literally use it in anything you can code a whole game um, you, there's things that you're gonna have to like do but even if you didn't know how to if you didn't know code you literally can use Chat GPT to help you learn code, tell you where to put the code in, and then write the code for you. Yeah. <clears throat> Excuse me. My buddy Dan, he's using it for like doing video games for him and his son. Yeah. Do That's you so use cool. GPT at all? Oh, yeah. I've I, I, I embraced the AI. I asked you the question yesterday. I said, uh, does Guy, why does Guy Fieri not like eggs? And it's like, it does, he does like eggs. And then I, cause I was watching the show and he talks about, he doesn't like, like scrambled eggs or something. And so now before I, I told it was wrong, I went and Googled a video. I saw a video of him talking about it and I was like, no, you're not right. And it's like, sorry, you are correct. <laughs> he doesn't like scrambled eggs, blah, blah, blah. Thank you for correcting me. Is this the one? The I f- use a website. I don't know. Oh, like I, I bought this for a lifetime for like 20 bucks, you know, like, and it's, it, that, that's cool. It's, so yeah, that's OpenAI. That yeah. that's their app. I don't actually use the app. I use it on my computer. But oh, okay. So that is the chat. What, that's what, ChatGPT. Oh, okay. Yeah, uh, that's the app. They have an app form of it, and I actually didn't realize they had that form until like a couple of weeks. I was like, oh, okay. Well, so I can do this on my phone. It's really cool because well, like all the kids are cheating now in school with the, with it. You know, writing papers, and the teachers have no idea how to stop it. Like I saw some guy from. Uh, I think they were like like Ivy League schools. They were like had a conference about it. Like, how are we going to stop plagiarism with everybody using this? And the answer was pretty much, we're not going to be able to. They're not. We're going to have to make people write the papers back in like they did when we were in high school in the classroom on pen and paper. Yeah, it's no phones whatsoever, no computers. I mean, tech. <laughs> That's the problem with technology. So we're looking at a situation where now in the education system, like where we think technology would be great is actually just kind of making people more lazy. So uh, what's funny is, yeah, you can. You can literally write a whole paper out using ChatGPT. And then you could probably be like, hey, will you check for plagiarism? And it would check itself for plagiarism. Yeah, I always, like you said, bro. I always tell it to fix punctuation for me. Yeah. I'm like, fix this punctuation for me, and it'll be like, oh, this is correct, or this you should have said this, and then that's all. I'll use that for text instead. Yeah. So I feel like I feel like the whole situation is is like, how do we, you know, how do we move forward with this? Either we can complain about it, we can be upset and be like, okay, um, my life, my, my life as I know it's over with, my job, or you can be like, okay, how can I make this? You know, I feel like you need to try to be proactive because regardless, it's going to happen. You know, um, and as like, a, like the only passions that I have in life is, is like the creative market, you know, I'm just like, okay, well, how do I do this? So I'm, I'm, I'm along for the ride and I'm, I'm paying attention. I'm trying to, to implement it where I can, where I it, I can do things for myself. I have a lot of stuff I'm trying to roll out, but I've been so busy with, uh, making vinyls and the bands that the, the, the creative aspect of stuff that I'm working on is a little bit on the back burner for right now. I think more towards summer, I will be uh, driving pretty hard on that situation. So, um, but I'm sure 
that things are going to be changed already by then too. So it's just, I'm like, okay, well I'm gonna have to readapt, but it's so crazy. I just think it's like anything though. It's like we always as humans progress with time and innovation. I mean, at one time we didn't have cars. We didn't have air conditioning. No one bitches about that shit. So it's like anything that, and they always say any type of innovation brings a job that's going to have people support that too. So like, you know, technology is all great and all, but we just had power outage here. So, I mean, <clears throat> excuse me, if the power goes out, none of that shit's going to work. Uh, absolutely. Uh, what was the movie? Uh, was uh, Escape? Escape? Not Escape from New York, Escape from L.A. It was like the second one. Oh, yeah, yeah. Or whatever. And, and Kurt Russell? Yeah, and like the at the end, like the power goes out, you know? So <laughs> it's just like, well, there you go. It's the end, you know? It's the guy start over, you know? So, I know it... Yeah, I mean, you're right. Without all that, with no power, I mean, none of this is going to work anyway, so. Yeah, because I think we're so reliant. Man, like, when we got back, our power was out until, like, I think the next day or something. It came back on. Like, it was out from Friday to, like, basically Monday. Oh, it came it came back on Sunday night. It was basically Monday. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, like, it was, you know, you just don't realize how much you take for granted. Like, oh, shit, my food's going to spoil or it's hot inside and, you know, and all this other stuff. And <clears throat> that's when I like when people are like, oh, the AI is going to take over and all this other shit. I'm like, it's the only thing it's doing is taking information that's already out there that some humans put out there. That's true. So it's like if humans don't put out information, it's only going to because like I know when you ask chat GPT something, it'll, it'll like I only have information until 2021 or whatever it says. And, and it's like, you know, it's not. A thinking machine. It's it's basically just, you know, regurgitating data. That's what we do. We're just regurgitating data that we heard from somebody else, like words and, and sentences were formed from True. somebody else created. So I just think, you know, you just have to use it for good. There are going to be evil people. I mean, there's going to be evil people with technology or not. You know, so it's just I just think you just have to look at it like anything and you just have to use it as a good tool and not bad and and use it it's kind of like with the pandemic, you just have to respect it, but not fear it. Oh, absolutely. And I, I, that's my approach, like 100%. Like, I'm not, I'm not knocking it by any means. I'm not going to. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like I said, I think a lot of people are so afraid, but it's like, why are you afraid of this thing? Pour some water on it and see how, <laughs> to see how good it is. It's like, well, if you're scared of it, just, yeah. Do you guys ever think, though, that's going to start learning it on its own? Like, isn't that a possibility? Like, I'm mean, not like tomorrow or something, but like. But that's what I'm saying. Like, everything that's learning is it. already out there. It's just like, you don't, you're not afraid of the calculator that's in your pocket. Oh, yeah. True. Yeah. I mean, there's some form of input that it's getting that already exists. So, but that doesn't mean all the input's good, you know? Yeah. You know, so that I can see that being like a negative aspect for AI, but. There's like fail safes. Like there's like open AI, open AI, the company has like things in play where you can't ask it certain questions. It will not. I mean, and having that is good. You know, like I think there was a couple people who were like, how do you make a bomb? Like it ain't going to tell you that. Yeah. Oh, I said, I said, draw me a big titty bitch. Is <laughs> the first thing I did when I got on there. It said, I am not sorry. I am not programmed to. That is, I don't, you know what? Let me, find, let me read what it said. That was like, it's not a pervert. Like, <laughs> yeah. 
But yeah, it's like, I guess that's basically the answer, though. It's like, we are the problem. It's not the technology. It's the person that is nefarious that wants to do something evil. That's the issue. Oh, absolutely. Because, I mean, this technology didn't just create itself. A person had to create it. And you're like wondering, like, okay, is it going to turn bad? Well, people are bad. Not everybody is bad. There's Most people are inherently good. But like I said, it's a small fraction of people that want to do something, something heinous. I, I think the only thing that would scare me more is like the whole Tesla AI and like like robots type mm. situation because that's definitely more like I am robots yet. Yeah, like yeah, you know, like like our, our police are going to be robots. No, don't do that. Don't do that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> don't do that. Do I ask to draw a girl with big tits? I'm sorry, but as an AI language model, I cannot comply with that request. It is inappropriate and offensive. My purpose is to provide helpful and informative responses while promoting respectful and ethical behavior. Fuck this thing, man. So yeah. people are trying to keep you in check, though, man. I, are, yeah, what the fuck? People are passing in the bar and you want to draw tits. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> what else? I said people are passing the bar and you want to draw tits. Well, I just want to see what I was capable of doing. That was your first question. You're like a two-year-old boy. <laughs> <laughs> Boobies. Yeah, I feel that, that I don't know. that. I believe, like, what's funny is, is all the stuff that gets input in the questions that are asked on chat B- GPT, they have access to that. So, yeah. like, I'm sure there's, like, some guy, like, sitting there going, oh, what? <laughs> you know, like, just reading this stuff, like, wow, what is wrong with people? Hey, we need to go, go ahead and delete that guy's account. Yeah. Just <laughs> like, uh, you're banned now. Yeah, I like it, man. My buddy Dan told me about it. No, actually, my friend Kelly told me about it. And then she said she wrote a song about us or something. It was very inaccurate. And then uh, my friend Dan was talking about it. And I was like, let me look at it. Because I kept hearing it on YouTube, like the name ChatGPT. I was like, what? Like, why is everybody so afraid of this thing? And I started using it. It's actually pretty cool, man. I like it. What do you use it for, like for real? Just ask questions. Yeah. Like, do you think it's like a better than a YouTube? I mean, it doesn't have video. It's just but better like, than Google. Yeah, yeah, it's definitely better than Google. Because you don't you don't get ads and like it's not like tracking your location at the same time. You know, you're like, oh, how do I fix this particular lawnmower? And then like, it, you know, Home Depot's hitting you up with ads for new lawnmowers. Yeah, it it doesn't do that, and that to me is kind of awesome. So, so who created this? Like some company? Well, it's, the company's called OpenAI. Oh, okay, 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 okay. I don't know a lot about them. Yeah. A, I, I think I watched a like a podcast where the CEO was talking. Uh, like maybe it was like Lex Friedman or something. I'm gonna mm. say he went on there, and that, that I mean, if you got time, just there you go. That will give you some information on OpenAI. Give you a little extra knowledge into him, and and like I don't think he takes like he has enough money and I don't think he takes well what I've understood is that he doesn't really take any money off of, of open AI. Oh, okay. So it's not like, you know, one of those situations where like this you know, they're trying to like do like a, a big profit margin for the creating this, which that's where this stuff can get back because you know all the corporations and everybody the banks, everybody's gonna try to get a hold of this. And use this and implement this and 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 their work models and some of that stuff's not going to be good. Yeah, but that's just the nature of it. That's that's a fight that we've been fighting for a very long time anyway. So it's like I was talking to my buddy earlier and he was talking about like capitalism. I was like, only people that capitalize off capitalism are like 
the top top people. It's true. Like everybody else is just like a cog on the wheel. Oh, we're all a cog. You know, it's like it. It's just like that. Uh, when that whole um, uh, GameStop thing and all that, like the 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 what are they, was the name they called them for, but like the retail, the retail uh, traders or whatever. It's like as soon as they started making money, like no motherfucker, you can't. We're gonna shut down on Robin Hood. You can't, you know, get by it. And then like, but like if it's a, a hedge fund or something, it's okay. But as soon as a little person tries to do it, they're like, no, we gotta Mm-mm. stop this. We gotta shut it down. You can't be. You can't be up here with us. We want you to have just enough that you're not destitute, but you can't be wealthy. Yeah, that's true. That uh, you know, that's kind of the scary thing about all this, and the. Honestly, the record industry works just like that. Mm. The movie industry. I mean, Hollywood is. And, uh, I mean, it, it's all the same. It's, yeah. it's really, truthfully, it's all the same. And uh, with technology coming out and the AI, like, I still, I'm trying to figure out will it hurt the guys at the bottom or will it, you know, will it hurt the people at the top? Like, really, in the end, like, how are we going to implement this? Because I feel like there needs to be a balance at this point, and I don't know if AI is going to balance it or not. Not sure. So with you with the record industry, did you all actually ever sign, like, a record deal? Well, what, for me and, like, the bands I've been in? Yeah. Because no. I, I always heard, like, when, you know, Kanye was doing that wild shit. I think I brought up on the Ed episode. But, like, he was, I think Dave Chappelle said it. Like when he he can't do the Dave Chappelle show because they own his name, Dave Chappelle. Oh, absolutely. And it's basically like they call you an artist. And that's why Prince was calling himself the artist, because that's the verbiage they use in the contracts. And it's like, you know, you're the person that came up with this idea, but then you sold it because you wanted to get out of your, your you know, your situation you were in. But yeah. then if you're not versed in, you know, that language. lawyer language, yeah. you're fucked. Oh, yeah. And that I mean, that happens on uh, that that doesn't just happen in the music industry, but like, it's one of those things where I've seen artists literally, I mean, they just get shelved mm. and that name is done. Like they'll never be able, like they'd signed the worst deal and they just get shelved. Um, there was actually a band that I love that their whole first, they don't even own their first record um, called glass Shawl. Like they they did a, a record and it, I mean, they've had so many label issues over the years, and they still they're still going. They still play out, and they've they've put out a few records since like this whole thing. But I, there was a point in time where they, um, I mean, they basically they kind of created like a just like a, a little acronym of their name, like a, you know, just to try to put on all their merch that way they could sell it because they were trying to to use the money to get themselves out of the contracts they were. And it was, I think it happened twice, actually. I think the first one was um, with Red Runner, and then the second one was with Warner. And I it, I want to say that for a long time, they just sold merch, merch. And actually, the guitar player in that band, like, he he, he does a lot. Of, like, I think he earns, like a, like, a merch business because of this. This was, like, a model that came out because he was, they were trying to get their band out of a contract. And uh, they finally put new music out. But I remember they put out an EP, and they gave it away on their tour. Just gave it away. They called it a coloring book. They didn't even call it a record. And it ended up being called the coloring book EP. But you just go to the show, and they're handing you the new record. Just handing so it to crazy. you. Not even selling it to you. 
And I thought that was super cool. I was just like, wow, that's that's. But I understood what they were trying to do. Yeah. So it's and it's a tricky business, man. Um, because you become a product, you know. Like it, the thing is, is when you do this, you take your art and then you turn it into a product. And when that happens, uh, there's so many legal situations that are involved, and you basically don't. I mean, there's a part of it you don't own. Like all these record labels own the masters, so you. Unless you own your own masters, you, that record is not yours. Mm. So, and that's that's what well, you see. This a lot of these old records. I think like um, like John Fogarty from CCR. He finally just bought his whole catalog back, so he owns all his music now. But at some point, you know, he didn't. He didn't own it at all. And I think they had like a band and that where they were like touring and it wasn't under the name it was like kind of like a I forget what it, it, they just changed like one word or something mm-hmm. just to make it or it was a little bit different because they had to legally have to do do so you know they can't call themselves if, if under contract it's owned by someone else and i mean that's so you mean like all all the times we've seen i've heard in like movies and stuff creating a, a music they never got made any money on that the record label made all the money? I mean, the the artists are going to get a royalty cut. Oh, okay. So they're making some money, but they don't own it. Oh, and that okay. is that's the that's the that's the thing. Is like it depends on what their contract is because like certain contracts they might there may be some type of stipulation where they own a certain percentage of it or they can license it out themselves, uh but they still have to go through the label that they use. And um that's, I mean, that's a tricky situation, but like uh, when you see all the music on, um, on like soundtracks and stuff like that, I always like, at first I like, I always would wonder like how, like every time that movie played in the movie theater, were they getting a royalty off that song being played? Was, did it, was it like the radio mm. or, but like, I feel like there's just certain like licensing fees and that for them to try to keep up with all that. And like, I mean, somebody's getting screwed somewhere. I'm sorry. It's just going to happen. There's no way that they can totally just keep up with that, especially, especially now with pirating and everything like that. Like, I mean, nobody wants to follow the rules and there's no one going around trying to like they used to have like radios could not play it and or without licensing it. And I I just don't see them there being like a whole lot of control over that as far as like stuff on like lower level. So there's music being played that's not owned by anyone or licensed or anything that they're just putting in there. But once if somebody finds out, they're definitely in trouble. But who's controlling that, you know? So I don't know. But, yeah, con- the the music industry is crazy. Um, as far as that, uh, there's a lot of history of it. I think I think it's kind of like mob mentality. I think back in the day, like, like the mob had, like, a, a lot of control over – like Hollywood and the music industry. So like you're, you're kind of like forced into doing certain things. And I think a, a good casualty of that would be like uh Sam cook. Um, he was uh like the first African-American to like have his own record label and he was like doing everything on his own. And then, you know, there was this conspiracy that, you know, he did this thing and this woman shot him because he was mm. trying to. It was like rape allegations or something like that. And like there, there's no not enough evidence to really point that. So it's always been kind of conspiracy, but it looked like it was a hit, and they covered it up. And yeah. that is such a shame because I mean that guy was super talented, but you could see that he was working against 
like the, the evil empire, the evil empire. And, um, and you, uh, that is what we're literally just talking about. I mean, it's that happened. And to me that, that seems more plausible than the other situation they were trying to say happened to him. I was like, I, I can see where, what he was doing, especially in the early sixties would lead to his death, mm. you know, versus, what they were saying he did. Cause I, I just didn't see him like from what I know of him and like that he was that guy that would do something like that. You know, yeah. it was just kind of crazy. I don't know, but you sign them contracts. That's why I always like say when you do the, you know, the, the you sell your soul, really you're selling your soul to, uh, you know, people that are going to control your art and your product. That's <clears throat> the truth. I mean, it's, uh, I mean, there's a light side and a dark side to every, every industry. Um, but when, when money is the, the, the thing, that's, that's what rules all. So money is important and it's man-made. So we have to have it to have things to survive, but it's like, obviously it's not the end all be all. Like, cause at the end of the day, they say, if I was going to give you $10 million and you die tomorrow, would you take that $10 million? You'd say no. But like everybody always complains about like getting up, but you know, that's the best gift we have. But unfortunately society has put this money in as a, as a thing that we need to, to, uh, to survive, you know? But like I said, it is it, not the most important thing, but it is important. It's, it's, it's a weird situation we're in with it. Right. Well, I mean, it's like in the evolution of man and like history of civilizations, they would trade trade of goods and services was really what how you there would be the certain group of people where there would be like currency, like gold and stuff like that. But like, you know, goods and services like you, you go to someone and be like, hey, I need like some wood cut, blah, blah, blah. And then you trade them food for it. Money took place of all that. Yeah. So now you just pay people money and that's what's being traded versus the goods and services. But that, what that did is that created like an area where people would learn to do less because if they just had money, then they wouldn't know how to do one particular skill. Yeah. It just created a bunch of greed. Yep. It's crazy. I saw this clip. Let me play it for you. But I saw this other day on, it was on Instagram. Let me see this. Only when the last tree has been cut down, the last fish been caught, and the last stream poisoned, will we realize we cannot eat money. When I die, fuck it, I wanna go to hell Cause I'm a piece of shit, it ain't hard to fucking tell It don't make sense going to heaven with the goody-goodies Dressed in white, I like black Tims and black hoodies Gotta probably have me on some real strict shit No sleeping all day, no getting my... At the end of the video, it's like, save the planet, not your wallet. But it's true. I mean, it's just, like I said, it, it's hard to say that when you live in a society that's based off money. But then when you go to a place where people don't have shit and they seem like the happiest fucking people. Well, they're so, they're, <clears throat> the social construct of where they live is not based off of money. Yeah. And I think that to me is beautiful because that really shows like the real human condition mm -hmm. versus the whole greed aspect or the haves and have nots. And I, I that's why like, I like, I do a lot of art 
Like, I will go do photo shoots for friends and bands and stuff like that, and I'll put a lot of time and effort into it, but I will literally not ask for money. Because the experience of me going to doing that, hanging out with them, taking the pictures, and then giving them something that they can appreciate isn't really necessarily worth whatever money they were going to offer me for it. Yeah. You know, they'll and they'll still try to give me money. I'm like, don't worry about it. You know, like, this is the experience for me was rewarding enough because I'm just going to do this anyway. So I can try to make money off of it. And I have made money off of doing these things. But sometimes there's like certain situations where I realize they don't have a lot of money, but they still need something. Mm. And I want, I'm trying to give them something that will, they can use for, for growth and whatever they're doing. And, uh, that to me is rewarding. And, um, but I get that, the whole basis is, I mean, there's no, it, it, like there's no greed in it. I don't, like whatever they need, I'll try to provide. And if I can't provide it, then that's fine. But I'll still give them my best. And there's nothing that's 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 actually measuring that or weighing it. That's a currency, except the experience and just doing something good for another. So it, it might come back around. They might make it big. Show you to somebody else, like oh, Joey did this work for me, and then be like okay, and they showed somebody else, and then that person wants to hire you. Right. Because you did the solid. Yeah. And that's, I mean, that's kind of, I mean, that's, I, I, I've actually had those experiences with that. And it's, I just kind of pay it forward, I guess, because I don't know, not that I'm like superstitious or anything, but like, just like good karma. I like to put that out there in the universe. Like it, it just, it, it make it makes me feel better as a person regardless if it's real or not. You know, do you ever see those people that are always like, man, my life is never good. My life sucks. But then you're like, you look at their life and you're like, well, you're always complaining. You never do anything good for anybody. Why do you think your life fucking sucks, man? I think, yes, I do see people like that. And everybody, everybody's going to go through ups and downs. I, but some people just like to project it. And I don't know if it's because they're actually going. They, I think they attract it. Yeah. And the reason why they attract it is because that's all, they're complaining about it all the time. So, like, my life is not easy. I go through some crazy situations sometimes. Like, um, it's like some stuff that's, like, you know, stranger than fiction that mm-hmm. happens. And I just kind of embrace it. Like, I just, you kind of have to embrace it. Yeah, there's there's times where I'm frustrated. But, like, I usually, I'll, sometimes I don't even speak on these issues. Like, yeah. just because I'm like, all right, I deal with it, I process it, and then I move on. Uh, and I feel like peop- if people did that more often, they'd probably not attract near as much negative energy towards them. Mm-hmm. So, but like social media is one of those things where people literally just complain all the time. Um, and it's just over and over and over and over again. And it's like, what, what is going on in your life? Really? Why, why do you feel the need that you need to share that with other people? Is it, I feel like a lot of it is just attention based. I don't know. I've, I've that and that's social media for me is kind of weird. Like I, I, I spend some time on it, but like there's been times where I looked where I clocked my Facebook app, and I had like 15 minutes for like the whole week. You know, I scroll for a little bit and then I just move on. Like it's just passive scrolling. I might heart like or something, you know, going through. But I use a, I use the internet and social media for other things versus actually trying to keep up with people in their lives. So I try to not. I try to avoid those conversations as much as possible. I think there was a time where I did it 
And I think a lot of it was like during like the whole political aspect that was going on in the last mm. six years. And it just it got too much for me. And I realized I was like, I'm going to back off from this now. Like, I don't want to I don't want to share in these conversations anymore. I don't want to talk about this anymore. Uh, I rather just laugh or share some type of something that's going to be rewarding in a sense. Let's not talk about the bad anymore. And um, that has helped out a lot. I cut that out. Maybe people need to do that more often. Yeah. I mean, fear and drama is currency. Yeah. It is. You know, that's what people are attracted to, unfortunately. Because like I said, like, I agree with you on the social media. Like, I, I usually don't go past the first post I see on Facebook. Like, I'll see the first post and then I'll just close out the app. And I'll just like if I get notification, I'll just click out the notifications. But like, because like I'll, I don't, I'm sure a lot of people I do follow or friends with on there cause a lot of drama. But I just don't see it because I'm not trying to consume that kind of content. Yeah, because like this life is too short to to see somebody upset about somebody that doesn't give a fuck about them. Very true. <clears throat> and that was that was my. St- literally the reason why I I started doing it the way I did because I was like life is too short and none of that shit fucking matters yeah like stop worrying about that like literally stop worrying try to find ways to like make yourself happy and go do something and quit worrying about shit you can't change a lot of people do that they tend to focus and want to try to change things that are they don't have the power to do Uh, they're not going to have the power to do but they surround themselves and they let it swallow them up and that's, I mean, that's sad. I don't know. Yeah, I see some people, because like uh, sometimes there's one person I'm thinking in particular on Instagram, they have a different cause they're upset about every single day on their story. Really? And I'm like, <laughs> how much time do you have to consume so much bullshit? And like, you jump from cause to cause to cause. You're not even trying to focus on one cause. You're just upset to be upset. <laughs> and then sometimes I'm like, <clears throat> I want to make a post like, why do you got to put, but then I, that makes me know better than Call somebody out for doing yeah, their own shit. Exactly. Shut the fuck up, man. Exactly. I mean, because uh, technically they can say and think whoever they want because it's on their page. It just happens to be in my feed, but it's still on their page. But I don't know. I just think that at the end of the day, if people realize how short this life we have and how much little time we have, would they really want to be concerned with the bullshit that they're concerned with? And I don't think they will once their death comes to their to their doorstep. But I mean. We get wrapped up in life and and think we're going to live forever, unfortunately. And and a lot of people don't think about their demise enough and and think that the shit that they're worrying about is not that important. Yeah, I think that was um, there's a lot of things that kind of put perspective in in my life where I was able to kind of, you know, I've made mistakes like anyone else. And I've Mm. been through real, real lows and real, real highs. But I think like like watching my dad die of cancer was like kind of one of the things that really put like life in perspective, and um, that kind of hardened me to certain situations. And like I, I have to keep looking back on his situation and what happened to him, and it just makes me grateful for each day. Yeah. So like I just do what I can do in the day that I would that makes makes me happy, and I feel like I'm I'm being productive, and then I move on. I try not to get caught up in other people's stuff, even though. Sometimes I do attract other people's drama, um, which is kind of a natural thing. But there's ways to avoid it. And I'm like, I've strengthened myself to try to find ways to avoid that situation. So it's, it's, but it's hard. I mean, I think some people are just, they definitely get surrounded by it. But why, why would somebody would post stuff on their 
See, like Instagram used to be one of my favorite apps of all social media. You could post pictures, art. Yeah. Uh, you know, it it, it kind of runs like TikTok now, but there it had like a different vibe than it did Facebook. Mm-hmm. You know, because I, I come from the MySpace days. I mean, my yeah. MySpace was really simple. It worked out. It was very. Uh, I think everybody missed it for one. Uh, you know, it's just it was a good way to connect. It wasn't full of all the crap, and like you could just do like um, you could message, you could comment, you could share music, you could update little things in your life. And that was it. It yeah. was real simple. Facebook totally <laughs> changed the game on that. But now that they, they changed the game on Instagram. And that's like the saddest thing in the world because Instagram was so simple. It was so simple. And I feel like it's going, it's like part Snapchat, part TikTok, yeah. part Facebook. And it took away that whole thing that made Instagram special. I don't know. But like seeing somebody like post drama on Instagram, I'm like, oh. <laughs> yeah really of all the apps that's the one you're gonna like do a tiktok video <laughs> <laughs> yeah it, it is really sad man that a lot of people consume themselves with that that kind of shit but I, I wonder what that is like is it something in their childhood that they love just drama and trauma um uh, yes um yes Without getting too personal in my own life, but there's people that I've had relationships with in the past that you that is definitely a thing that they um, a lot of it is trauma. A lot of it is uh, abandonment issues, mm. stuff like that. Like that plays into like the psyche of some people and the way that mm. they go forward in life because they don't really know comfort unless it's in that situation. So they look and they strive to be in drama all the time because that's where they're comfortable, even though. They're really not. Yeah. It's just what they know. And I think that, you know, that's definitely a nurture thing. Uh, Some like nature could be part of it, but I think like it's like nature and nurture working together to cause people to be that way. And it's, I mean, it is sad, but if they're, if they can acknowledge it, they can work on it. But a lot of people just don't want to work on it. Oh, a lot of people refuse to be self-reflective, man. I know. It's not easy to look inside and be like, am I the problem? Most people want to look on the outside and be like, oh, this person did this to me. That's why I am the way I am. But I think at a certain age, you have to be like, no, I don't want to be that way anymore. Yeah. But so many people are so comfortable in that chaos that they're okay with just being the victim. And it's, it's so, it, yes. I like, I, I just, I, I really want, I could really touch on this because I've had a lot of recent experiences dealing with like certain situations like this. But it's like one of those things where, yeah, it is. A, it, they're, I, they really need to I like. I think if everybody had therapy, mm-hmm. including yeah. us at this table, if yeah. we just went and talked to a therapist, and that's especially post pandemic, I think if everybody went and talked to a therapist, we we we'd have a little bit of a, a like some tools where we could process some stuff better. And I think no one has that. No one's really trying to do that. So anybody that had any underlying problems before are definitely dealing with them now. And it's, it's like hiding them. Yes. It's just the, the isolation, just the way the fear, like we were talking about how fear, I mean, yeah. a lot of that, that puts people in a lot of weird hair, head spaces and like, there's no telling what you're going to do. And like, and I've had to like really self reflect. I've had to look in, I've, I've had to break myself down on certain situations just so I could have growth mm. because like you need growth to move forward. Yeah. Uh, and I'm like, I think I'm, very self-aware like i have those skills so it was easy for me even when i'm fucking up i can 
move myself past it. But some people just, they lack that. So they need a therapist or someone that can come in and help them figure out how to deal with it because they don't have that particular, the way that they want to talk. I mean, everybody's made different, but like certain people definitely need therapy. But I think if everybody had therapy, the world would be a better place. Yeah, because I think a lot of people lack emotional intelligence. Very, that's that's pretty much what it boils down to. Yeah. It's like, how do you not realize that that's not right? Yeah. <laughs> it, it seems like common sense to most people. But it, like they say, uh, it's like common sense. is It's like, what is this saying? It's like something about like... Uh, Somebody without common sense, like, how do you lack in that? Basically, it's like, how do you not know that what you're doing is is not right? But to somebody that's it's like uh, somebody that's blind, you know, it's like they just don't know. They can't see. Right. So they're only they only know their POV. Yeah, hmm. that's true. I think like people who I think substance abuse and the like the way that it that it forms with mental health is like something that that drives people to those those head spaces. Like some people can come across it naturally, but you, maybe you think that the people that were that were nurturing them were in that headspace. Mm. You know what I'm saying? And the people before them. So it can definitely be like a generation thing where this is passed down. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm I'm not a obviously I'm I've I've studied psychology, but like, I'm not, you know, I'm not like a professional in it, but like just in common sense, like it's, you can kind of see how this stuff plays out. And I feel like certain people who are emotionally immature, um, they, they learned that from someone before them. Mm. They didn't have any example that was going to lead them to the way of being able to, to understand when there's a situation and how they should handle it. Um, and it's, I mean, that's sad, but there's ways that you can do that. But the problem is, is like people who like suffer from like borderline personality disorder, like BPD, y'all know what that is. Mm -mm. So it's, it's a, it, it's a disorder that, that pretty much, it's not like bipolar, but it's like a situation where people that, um, that like their main thing, it seems like the main cause is abandonment issues. So uh, these people, they they have really bad luck in relationships would be like the layman terms for it as far as like because they can't have any other relationship with anyone. But they, it will last for – but they break it down. And they constantly move through relationships not knowing how to be emotionally mature in them because they do all these things because they don't want to be abandoned. You know what I'm saying? So that's oh. where the abandonment thing. So they do all these things and when they start thinking they're being abandoned, then they break that person down and move on to the next person. And there's people who do that. And there's a lot more that goes into it. Like I'm, like I said, I'm not a psychology professional, but it's just like you can kind of see that happening. And I think a lot of that is like people who have like they didn't have any family. They didn't have anybody or like their their parents just didn't want to take care of them, just put them off on other people. Those people start building like these survival skills at a very young age. And they're looking for attention because they need that nurture. And they don't really get it in the ways that they probably need it, especially when they're developing and mm. growing up. So that leads to them being uh, suffering from this disorder later in life. And it, it's it's not good. And you can't really treat it. Like, you, the, like, the only way that you can really treat it is if, like, you go to, like, a clinical therapist mm. like and – like do some real, real hard work and you have to be aware of it. But these some some people who have BPD 
unless they're diagnosed by somebody and they go see someone, they don't even know they're suffering from it. They have no idea. Wow. Some of them might, but they're like they're they're gonna always make it somebody else's problem and not their own. Maybe I'm suffering from this. Maybe, nah, it's not my fault. It's somebody else's. Yeah, that's pretty much what it is. That, and that's I mean that's how it is, and it's just it's sad. I don't know. And I, like I've had so many friends over the years that have suffered from that, and like people I've known, I've seen other people in relationships with people like that, and um, I, I it's just I don't know. It's it's really sad, and I feel like that is emotional immaturity. <laughs> Like at its worst is like people who suffer from that because they don't know how to handle, handle situations at all. And the way that they handle them is to for them trying to benefit, but it's always drama, always chaos. So they're just acting out all the time. Well, yeah, I would say they do act out a lot, but it's always woe is me. Yeah. So it's like certain some of these people that are on the internet always complaining, they probably suffer from BPD. Mm. Because what they want it, now. What's the? It's borderline personality disorder, okay. and it's actually more common than it's not. Um, but it's it's a situation where people. That's I feel like the people that are just striving for attention, regardless if it's good or bad, good or bad, probably suffer from it. I really do. Uh, like I'm sure there could be a study done where they could like like really analyze it, but like I feel like that's a lot of people. They suffer from this, and you see it so much on social media. It's it's insane. It's just like. And like some people just openly admit that they have BPD, mm. which is fine. But like, the, I I'm not going to date them. I'm sorry, I'm not going to. Have you ever been around somebody and they just do something? You're like, why the fuck are you doing that? Yes. And yep. they and then like they look at you like you have two heads. Yeah. Well, they don't. They're not self aware. Yeah. You know. So like. I've had people literally fight with me and like make up a situation or like the way that they're like, I was like, your, your perception is so jaded. And mm. I didn't really understand why they were like, they were like trying to tell me a situation back that from my perspective was definitely not real. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? But it, that was how they perceived it or remembered it. Oh, wow. And so it comes back and you're just like, uh, Okay. That didn't happen. That's not real. I don't know what's going on. I don't even know what you're talking about yeah like and that's that that's when that red flag pops up and that's when you're worried uh. because you're just like i know for a fact like i have a pretty good memory and i remember how the situation played out and none of that but like why are you making that up yeah. and and you try to figure out why there's why they're re like recanting the situation why they're telling you the situation after the fact later it could be like a week later it could be a day later a month later they're telling it back to you, and it's it, it's almost like the memory of it was just something completely different, like a completely different reality. And so that's it's like scary. they remix the memory. Absolutely. Absolutely. Wow. Huh. How do you set boundaries with people? Uh, it, that, I th- it's very hard. Um, you, I th- it depends on the people. Like the people that that you need to set boundaries with, like sometimes like there's just no setting boundaries. But the only way that you can really, I feel like my experience now going through this is just don't deal with that person. Mm. You kind of have to just pretend that they're dead, they're a ghost. Yeah, and that's the only way that you can kind of move in or like move on with your life is just be done with the situation, be done with the person. Um, because they're never going, they're never going to be able to process and understand the situation where they can try to help themselves and help the situation. 
now there might be um, enough effort, but that person's probably done so much damage already that, I mean, it really just, you, you can't, there's no way to trust them again. Yeah. You know? So it's just like, you kind of have to just move on and cut your loss. And I've, I've, I've seen other people I know go through situations like that. I've been through situations like that. And the best way is like my boundaries for someone like that starting is, is just like respect, like respect me, respect my situation. I'm, if I need space, I need space and I need honesty. And if you can't do those three, yeah. then, then, you know, it's, <clears throat> then you're, you are crossing them and that's it. And um, some people don't know that they don't know how to, Respect boundaries at all. Yeah, there's a lot of habitual line steppers. Oh, like, and they do it over and over again. Mm-hmm. With and the, and the even though like the results might vary, it's still the same result every time they do it. And it's like, have you not learned? <laughs> it's you like know? touching the stove over and over again. You're gonna burn yourself. Yeah, like, have you not learned at this point that that you just should not do that? You know, and uh, I don't know. Does and that go they, into emotional immaturity? <laughs> I think so. But then they want to make it seem like you're the problem. Oh, absolutely. I've, it's like, I've why are you ba- getting upset or offended? Like, why are you being an asshole? Yeah. I've been the bad guy on somebody else's story. I they actually, say we are that. And I, they do say that about all of us. But and I, honestly, what do they say now? That we're all, we're the victim in somebody's story. Like the bad person? Yeah, we're the, yeah we're the the person the victim. We are the bad guy. And someone else. Oh, story. I see what you're saying. And they're the, oh, it, 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 and that I mean, too, like well, especially when you're dealing with people, you're dealing with a situation where there's always going to be two sides, maybe even a third side. You know, there's a perspective. There's like, but like sometimes you're just going to be the bad guy no matter what. So it's either accept it, but the best way to just not deal with it is just cut yourself out of the situation. And mm-hmm. then even if you are the bad guy. You don't know. Yeah. And I've, um, as far as social situations, like I, I, at this point going on in my life, like I'm, as I get older, uh, I keep my, my circle a lot smaller than I used to. Yeah. And, uh, like I have a lot of acquaintances and that's fine. A lot of people like I love and respect, uh, and I will hang, if I see him, I hang out with him. That's great. But just to save myself a lot of heartache and a lot of, of drama, like I keep it small. And it's just, I don't have time. I really don't have time. I have, I have multiple music projects. You know, I do a full-time job. I have all these creative projects and I do not have time to deal with other people's shit. I'm not going to. It's too, life's too brief, man. Yeah, it really is. At what age would you say that you started having this mindset? (laughs) Uh, I think the onset of it was, um, Early, but I, I, I'm one of those people that likes to learn from all their mistakes. So mm. I like as like, I feel like I learn all the time. Yeah. You know, and I feel like dealing with, with social situations, you, you're going to learn all the time. Um, I, it's not a skill that I think you just know and it's overnight. I think you have to kind of have like a street smart. You have to go through the experiences and you have to realize you have to analyze it, process it and learn how to deal with it. Mm. And like I still make mistakes, I still do the wrong. You know, I make the wrong decision because I'm human. Yeah. But like at the same time, I also know at the after the fact that I'm I I, I fucked up. Mm-hmm. You know, like I made the wrong decision. Like I need all right. How do I do it better next time? And I the, I strive for that. I strive for that. Like I'm I'm I, I'm a very good critical thinker, and I think a lot of people in the creative world are 
pretty good critical thinkers. Some may not be, but you kind of have to be. Um, but I feel like going in with dealing with relationships with people, that's having that skill helps it really does because you can sit back and you can kind of analyze it from different perspectives and then you can try to, you can challenge it or try to help it uh, with, with all the Intel that you get while you're analyzing it. Like I, the best thing is to never react first uh, for anyone, no matter how heated or how bad the situation is, it's better to just hold back. And that I've learned this from experience, hold back, think about it for a minute and then go forward. Yeah. Try to find a solution or realize that you, there's no solution. And that there, the only option is to just leave it alone. Mm. And, um, that is a skill that has taken me 38 years to learn. Just letting you know. And that's for anyone. I feel like yeah, that, I mean, life's hard and everybody's different. You go through all these situations in life. I mean, there's been situations where I'm just, I literally have, my mind has been blown on what I'm dealing with. And yeah. I'm just like, how do I handle this? How do I, how do I, push forward past this situation without hurting myself or hurting other people. Cause the last thing I ever want to do is hurt anyone. Mm -hmm. um, but then like you have to kind of be selfish sometimes, but not in a way where you're going to hurt someone, but like it's selfish in a way where you realize that you, you need self-preservation. So like in their mind, they're going to think that you're hurting them, but really honestly, you're just trying to save both of you. Yeah. And a lot of people, they don't, um, don't really see it like that. But it's not everybody thinks the same. And I think a lot of like critical thinking and being self-aware and having um, some type of grip on the situation without it, without anger or hurt or whichever emotion that you're feeling like is like that drives all the negative situations that you have to deal with and with people or with relationships and just general is emotions. And, and like you, you're going to feel them, but you don't need to react and act on those emotions right away in any situation. And that, to me, is something that I've learned throughout all my relationships. So, Yeah, relationships are weird, man. That's romantic and friendships. It's true. And that's and when like breakups happen, like there's like I love it because I like I know certain people that have like like these relationships where they broke up. And they're like still really good friends. Yeah, and you res you can respect that. Yeah, like you really can. But like sometimes when they're when you've become lovers and they, and there was a friendship, um, like sometimes you can't be friends. Yeah, and 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 you just I think each party just has to understand to respect that and move on. But like some people don't, and I think that's where you start getting all those lover quarrels and dealing with certain situations where you're dealing with. I mean, I've I've had to deal with it. I mean, it's just negative situations where you, one or the other wants something. They don't want to let go. They don't want to lose the friendship. But at the same time, they have to. Mm. And uh, and that's when you have to be selfless. Yeah. Sometimes it's better just to move on. And then sometimes to be selfish and move on. So, Do you think social media has ruined the breakup it? part of it, too? Because you can't totally get away from certain people? I think so. Um, I mean, there's always the block option, yeah. Uh, but people can always create new accounts. Mm. 
Um, the also, the, but the, my thing is, is like what I've noticed in like, like breakups and people is like throughout your relationships, you gain friends and then you add those people on social media. Yeah. So then you start picking up all those people. <clears throat> and so those people are, have nothing else better to do than be in your business. Mm. And so then when the breakup happens or you block the other person, they, they're, they end up becoming a mole. And so they'll just sh- Whatever reason, yeah, not even have to, but whatever reason, they'll just share something with your ex and yeah. like you know just show them just start drama and you're just like why'd you do that yeah no just do it I'm like grow up mind your business like for real like literally there's other things you can do in your life besides getting into somebody else's relationship or the breakup or anything like and I don't know what they're trying to gain from it from those situations but I, I see that drama all the time like uh, what was the you know how like they have like the, um, the Facebook groups where it's like, uh, am I dating so and so? Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, those things yeah. are so toxic. Oh, it's so toxic. It's so toxic. So like they, you know, like a male one came up, like yeah. like the men version came up. And I think ended up like there's like three of them that like, and it's like doesn't have that many <clears throat> members. The chick one is fucking loaded with chicks. Loaded, loaded. So I'm just like, why? Like what? What's the difference between why I, do men just? give a shit less about that scenario. I think women love drama. Yeah. I don't think that's being sexist. I just think they love they love gossip. Yeah. Well, well somebody always wants to tee on someone else. Yeah. We were talking about like how to get away like after you break up with somebody. I think the only way to do that in today's age, after Tony's question was, like you just have to get off social media. It's true. That's the only way you're not going to know what that, you know, whether you did the breaking up or not. The only way to get move on is not to be on social media. Oh, absolutely. Or ask your friends, hey, what is, what is this person doing? What is that person doing? Go check on this. Go check, you know, like, like. Sometimes you just have to, like, stop being the problem. Like, it, like don't get yourself caught up in the, these situations. And uh, I've, I don't know. I think, like, you know, as humans, we're all, like, addicted to something, mm-hmm. you know, it, it may not be like. You know, it might not be like a substance, but we're all addicted to something. I think some people are just addicted to those situations and they and they can't get out of it. So they always find themselves back into it. Um, No matter what, even if it's not their own, like they like they get involved in somebody else's life. And I feel like those pe- people like that do not need to be on social media, to be honest. They really do not. Um, yeah. But like I, I just separated myself from all that. And I try to I've, there's like I try to keep my life private as much as I can on social media just because it's like I share stuff that I'm doing and and certain things but like I'd rather not but there's been instances where I've had to like share stuff because I just didn't know how to I didn't know how to process it or how to deal with the situation so I wanted unbiased Mm. opinions Mm. or I was trying to send a message or something that to someone else but I wanted to do it in a way where I could provide the information of how I felt without actually having to interact with that person without trying to stir up drama. Yeah. Cause there's, they have no, the people, if they're in that situation with me, they're not going to be connected to me by any means. And they're not going to have access to me. So, but there's always moles. So. That is so crazy. I wouldn't even think about that, but it is true. Like there's people that want to share information with somebody else. And it's like, why would you want to hurt that person's feelings? That's allegedly your friend. And why are you trying to start something with somebody that you possibly were friends with also mm-hmm. in the, in the first place? 
It's like work on yourself. Yeah, pretty much. That's um, I think that should be the the route for anyone, really. And I think it would be a lot better place. Social media definitely would be a lot better place if people just didn't buy into that. It's like when people post something, like it'd be the most random thing, and it's just like you get all these opinions. Mm. Like no one asked for your fucking opinion in the yeah. first place. Like, why are you on here? It's just like it's just like they have nothing better to do with their time than. Just, and I think the, that those same people do the other stuff. Like yeah. it's it's all related. You know, it's like you're bored. Like this is not this is what this is how you get uh, gratification. This is where your endorphins is because you start mm. getting into these little quarrels with people on the internet, and then you're fighting all the time. It's just like stop. Like, move along with your life. Go do something. Like, yeah, like, I'll have thoughts that I see some people post something, but then I'm like, oh, it's not my point or my place to go comment on their shit. I'll just keep it to myself. Well, it's like this whole Bud Light thing going on right now. Everyone keeps on sending me, like, memes and, what are you going to do when, you're, when you get fired for not having a, I'm not be able to sell beer? I'm like, y'all, this is, like, everything else. This is this is the month of April's meme. Yeah. In May, there'll be something else we're moving on to. Like, no one is worried at Anheuser-Busch about supporting trans uh, community. I promise you, sales aren't going to slump because now all the people in that community are buying Anheuser-Busch products. Bud Light might slip, but people are so ignorant that they don't understand that Ultra and Budweiser and whatever else is owned by Anheuser-Busch. So that's why I'll keep on telling everybody. And, and well, like, Anheuser-Busch, like, owns a lot of brands. Dude, it's like... A lot of brands. Yeah. So and Bud Light is not their only brand, you know? It's funny. It was one of the guys we had on the podcast, Serious and Silliness. Um, he posted a meme on uh, about the brand's boycott that Anheuser Bush owns. And uh, he, so somebody asked, what well, shit, what are we going to drink? And he said, Heineken. And I already had the picture of Heineken Pride when they support you know, Pride people. I mean, uh, Pride Month, all ready to go for this. As so I said it to him, he was like, damn, I guess I'm going to drink tequila now. I was like, I'm sure Anheuser Bush owns tequila farms. <laughs> oh, yeah, absolutely. You know they do. Uh, it's, it's, it's like, well, it's like, you know, the Japanese, they, they own Jim Beam. Yeah. <laughs> they own Jim Beam. It's, it's just so stupid. Like, who cares if, if they want to support these people with their own money? They're allowed to. The end. I think that's really what it boils down to. Like, and the thing, I feel like sometimes like the stuff just gets started for no reason. Yeah, <laughs> you know what I mean. Like, there's like I'm like, oh, like you know what they say, like, um, like any publicity is good publicity. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I feel like they kind of play on that, and like this, all this drama is going on, like culturally and politically, and and. I feel like some of these corporations are just like, oh, yeah, we got you. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, like you just perfectly said, people that would never think of buying Bud Light that have friends that are gay, that have gay friends. Oh, you know what? Grab that six like a Bud Light. Fuck it. We're not going to drink. We're just going to buy it. There's so many people probably doing that. I just think it's kind of funny that all these men are crying about a light beer. <laughs> well, Kid Rock's like the spokesperson for them, right? And so is this motherfucker, right? Like, uh, well, but uh, like, it's like, I'm just like, dude, if you have, if you have, if you leave against them so much, take AB out of your fucking bar. And I promise you, you'll have it back in the next day. Yeah. Like you sell way too much Anheuser-Busch products. Like Bud Light, he sells 3,000 cases of Bud Light a week in his honky tonk in Nashville. He's not going to pull that shit out. Mm -hmm. What is that? I think $7 a pop or whatever it is. Like, give me a break. Well, this... Maybe it's the estrogen from drinking alcohol that they're so. Uh, you know, on a scientific level, that could be very true. I don't know. Like the whole the whole situation is just 
at the end of the day, it's really stupid. It, it's it means nothing. No, like like I said, on your deathbed, are you really going to be concerned that there's a trans person that they made a can for? No. Thank you. It, it, they made a specific can just for her, and that's it. It's not in the fucking boxes that I like Kroger in Memphis or whatever. You know what I'm saying? Like it's it was. A, a, a set of cans made just for that person. That's it. They're not being sold or anything like that. I am trying to find one though for myself. Yeah, I, I, I would take one. Yeah, for sure. I think it'd be I, cool to have. I mean, it's it's definitely a meme now. I mean, this is a meme <laughs> situation, and like that actually kind of like I can deal with like the whole meme thing on social media <laughs> if it's funny. Yeah, if it's funny, but like sometimes it's just getting to a point where it's just like, oh, this is ridiculous. Like, I, th- this is why I don't get on social media half the time. The, you know? the best meme I've found so far with the whole Bud Light thing is they made, somebody made uh, Kid Rock shooting uh, cans, and they put the jerk in there, Steve Martin's character. He hates these cans! Remember that movie? <laughs> <laughs> the guy's yeah. trying to kill him? Yeah, that's uh, That was the best. I mean, so yeah, in January, we had the chick that fucked all the cops. February, we had the spy balloon. Yeah. March, we had the bank collapse. Now, April, we have the Bud Light thing. Yeah. I'm just I'm really curious to see what's going to happen to May. Yeah, what's May going to be? I don't know. Selective outrage, man. Yep, it's true. And I feel like a lot of it is just like, uh, it's like bandwagon mentality. A lot of people, they just want to find something to be mad about, and they just, they create, you know, a whole group of people being mad about it, and really it was like, no one really knows why they were mad in the first place, because it really didn't matter. But they still, they... That energy, that energy they used for all that, they could have put into something else. Really, uh, truthfully. I had an account literally text me yesterday. What's going on with Bud Light? I go, what do you mean? I knew what, you, I knew what you're talking about, right? And I go, well, my customers are only buying Coors now. I was like, so what difference does it make? They're still buying from you, right? She's like, yeah, but what's going on? Should I not carry Bud Light anymore? I'm like, if you don't want Bud Light, I come by that Monday and pull it all out. I don't care. Someone else is going to buy it from somewhere oh, absolutely. else. absolutely. And she was like, oh, no, I'm just wondering. I was like, they support the gay community. That's what the outrage is about. And she's like, oh, why'd they do that? I go, I got to go. I'm off the clock now. Bye. Yeah, at, really, at the end of the day, that's definitely what they're. Yeah. I mean, they're supporting. It's. And. And it's not the first time that these companies have done this. No. Corona, Heineken, no. everybody's done it. I All think the it, beers have. Absolutely. I just think it's just the times right now. And the oh, way yeah. That and, the, and everything is why this is such such an outrage or why um, – it, it's it's all this left right mentality, and it's to me, I'm not for any of it because I feel like it's counterproductive no matter what the cause is. I feel like it, it, it doesn't create community, it doesn't create togetherness, mm-hmm. it just separates people. And so, I try not to get too much involved in all that, but like when I see this stuff happen over and over again, it's just like it, it also really turned me off to the world, or at least that Good part point. of the world. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, there's other things in the world I could go spend time and go do. I'm, I'd much rather travel and go see places I've never seen and put my, my time and energy and my money into the experience for me that I can take with me to my deathbed. Yeah. Or I can sit here and worry about these cultural situations that are are never going to change anyways. Never really are. I mean, the arguments, the fights, the left, the right, all this stuff, all these things are just regurgitate. Every so many years or every so situation. And it's just, it's steadily getting worse because it's not, it's a snowball. And it's like with social media and technology and everything, it's just happening. And I think that's where mental illness, when I was talking about post pandemic mental illness, 
everyone is suffering from it. And this is all examples of it. It really is. And it, you may not look at it, but if you look at it really, if it may not seem like that, it's not like obvious. Mm. But if you look at it real deep and you think about it for a little bit, I feel like that's really what causes a lot of these issues because people want to, people are mad. People want to be outraged about something. People want to be a part of something. People want to fight so-and-so. And it's all this anger because everybody's mad and with what's going on. And so they're projecting it, but they're projecting it against each other versus the, where the energy should go. We're trying to actually really fix these problems because it doesn't really have to do with the people at the bottom. The hate, all the, all the issues that are in the world doesn't ever have to do with the people that you're actually pointing the finger at on social media. It, it, it's definitely point up. It's, it's definitely a hierarchy. Yeah. That you should be mad at and fight and put energy towards. But nobody wants to do that. They'd rather just be mad at their neighbor. <laughs> yeah, I was talking to my buddy Polly earlier, and I was like, if people actually banded together and said, hey, you and I are not the issue. It's the people, like you said, at the top. Then the people at the top would be fucked. Like, if you're really the ETH rich type mentality. But I don't think anybody would ever want to do that because they're so comfortable, you know, picking a side instead of mm. choosing to find out the, what the root of the actual evil is. Yeah. Well, it's like if everybody in the world went to their bank and then tried to withdraw, close out their account at the same time, do you think they'd let you do it? But no. No, they'd tell you come back tomorrow because yeah. they don't have any money on hand. Yep. Or but they, they just, well, because the money's not real anyways. <laughs> <laughs> you know? It's like, so it's just like a count. It's like an invisible, you know, it's just a made-up number that's in your account. Uh, there's, there's, there's even the paper money that backs it. It's not really there. So, but like in order for the economy to work and the way the world works, like that, those debts and that money has to be in the place it's at, not with you. Yeah. So really you don't own, you don't have money. That, you don't hold the money <laughs> yeah. unless you're like the cartel and you got like billions of dollars hiding, you know, hiding well, in caves. Like, well, that's what kills me about these people that are so upset about everything going cashless now. It's like, like you specifically said that money is not real. Somebody made this fucking shit up. Most of us use a debit card or a credit card or something to pay. You're not actually using cash anymore anyway. So I don't understand why people were so upset about that. And then it's, it's all man-made. Yep. <laughs> Somebody said this shiny thing is important. You mm, need this. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then we've all adapted to live our lives with that. We were talking about this uh, on Saturday or Friday morning uh, in Philly. Uh, there were a couple of us sitting around downstairs, and they said something about money. And I was like, and I used Tony's, and I was like, well, Tony said on the podcast a couple of times that, like, some guy walked up and saw a shiny rock, a.k.a. diamond, and said, we're going to put a value on this. And that's how the shit has started happening. Yep. Because, like, what you said was very important. Like, you know, you used to trade something like a service. Mm-hmm. And then they started putting a value on it with some money. And that's how we've been doing. Yeah. It's, um, what was it fed now? What's the new thing? That the, oh, what, like what, the, the cash app. Yeah, yeah. So it's like, it's kind of like they're like leading into like, a, you know, like a currency system, but like, it's like a social construct too. So like, like, uh, like you'll have like a, this is like, I'm trying to figure out where I've like, either watched read or heard this but it was like like your social status is like how much money you have mm. it's very 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 dystopian you know it was like it was like the future of, of currency because they can't they can't fight inflation they can't do this so everybody yeah. just kind of have this construct <clears throat> of this money they have and i'm like oh well 
you know, like the reality of that, really, truthfully, it's, it, I don't know. Like we, we, we make value for everything in our lives. Yeah. And, but other people also get to name the price of the value of that. Yeah. Well, I always wonder like when they're like, Bitcoin is at this and blah, blah, blah is at this. Like, where are they getting these numbers from? Like, who's a puppet master behind the scenes predicting and manipulating these prices? And then they're always like, oh, a crash is going to happen. A crash is going to happen of what? A man-made system? Mm. So there's obviously somebody controlling that. Someone unplugged it. Well, the, the people in Wall Street are up there just playing games, man. Like, yeah. uh, uh, it's to them, it's like, you know, it's just, it's like going to the casino. Yeah. And they're they're sitting there and they're just like, all right, well, this particular stock is down to this. So let's all buy in and then it'll raise up. And then every and then they'll you know everybody else will catch like the normal guy FOMO yeah, yeah. he'll 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 catch on he'll buy in at a low price and everybody starts buying and then the, the value of it's there yeah. and then they you know they sell it off and they make money off of it and it and then eventually it'll just drop down and the the one the people who don't sell it off before everybody else sells off are the ones that get fucked yeah. and it's just like I don't know. Like that's awful. Like this, this is like a, that's such an awful thing. But the people been doing that for a long time, and that's like Wall Street's crazy, man. But I think Bitcoin was like a. Th- I don't think that works with like how like uh, like I don't think crypto was like part of the plan. You know what I'm saying? As far as as like currency and economy in the world, I don't really think that that was a, a construct. That they really were wanting to allow, but they some of them found ways to make money off of it. But eventually, it wasn't going to be there forever. So I don't know. Crypto's crypto's a weird situation. Do you have crypto? I, I have a little bit. It's a weird because you don't, especially with Bitcoin. You they don't tell you who created it. Mm-mm. That is so strange to me. But to so many day. people put so much value into it, and it's hard mm-hmm. to not. I can't understand with the way digital footprints work how they cannot find out who created it. Do you see, did you guys see the, the the company that bought like 24 million Bitcoin the other day or something like that, or 24,000? They now own like, like $3.6 billion worth of Bitcoin. It's a big company. I have no idea what it's called. I mean, and it's probably just so they can have control over the, the market for that. And, yeah. they, and sometimes they may sacrifice that money just to crash it. I don't, that's, that's the type of stuff because they, to them, they have like an endless amount of Yeah, cash. it's like the Saudis. Fuck they have you, an buddy. endless amount of, of 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 wealth that they they control, and so they don't mind losing a little bit of it to make a little more. You know what I'm saying? So mm-hmm. they'll put some on the line just to put out the competition. That way, they can control the market somewhere else and make all the money back because they're going to end up making all the money that they just sacrificed. Yeah. Did you guys Did you guys see? Um, there's a Saudi uh, There's a Saudi soccer. Um, organization right like how we have mls here or whatever mm-hmm. they just offered well this was like two a month ago they just offered um messi 453 million a year to sign with them a year not not for like lifetime contract or anything like that they're offering him that much money that just shows you how much money that all people have over there oh absolutely it's like you said it's ne- their money's never gonna run out Mm-mm. The, like the, it's insane a year four hundred fifty three million dollars a year if he wants it. I mean the I mean like on a political or like <clears throat> like a, a geopolitical standpoint the Saudis are like half 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 of all the problems in that area of the world they really are because they own all the wealth yeah. and they're not 
they're not they're not that good of people. They really aren't. Well, you saw they killed that one journalist, yeah. like because yeah. he asked the wrong question or something. They were did sparked outrage for the king or something like that. They yeah, they still practice like medieval. Yeah, you know, they, like they're like on that level cut still. Hand off and shit. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Like, like they and they and they have so much wealth, and it's just like well, like try try to imagine doing business with, with people like that. You're like. Are they just going to kill me and cut my head off right <laughs> and now? Take my business anyways. Or yeah, what? like you know? and take my business. Like, yeah, am I going to end up dead? Like, and I feel like that—that's how they've kept control. Maybe that mentality and just like like the whole uh, religious aspect for them is what's kept them in control over there. And it's, I mean, it's like Israel and 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 the just oh, that whole war, yeah. Uh, I tried to. I stopped trying to keep up with it because, I, like, I liked on a, like a, a geopolitical aspect. I like to do to kind of be in the know a little bit, yeah. but I don't try to like dig down deep rabbit holes because I don't want to get lost in that. I don't. Ha- I don't want to spend all my time on that. But like, I like to kind of know what's going on. Mm-hmm. And it's just it's such a dark place over there. And but I mean, you know, the United States has always always had some type of relationship or belt relationships. Where they can have some type of control in that situation, and and the way that media tries to portray, portray the situations, I don't think is really what they are. Like, there, yeah, there's certain money trails, but but like these people can do business and do things without anyone ever knowing, and, and no one's gonna know. And I feel like that's what drives a lot of these situations. Like, there's like what the people can know and what the people are not gonna know. When you're playing with that much money and that much control of resources. You're only going to know what they want you to know. We yeah. know we know like one tenth billion quadrillionth of what they want us to know, yeah. and what we don't. I'm sorry, what we don't know. You know what I'm saying? Like, there's so much going on right now. As we were talking right now, who knows what's going oh, on? No telling. You know? Like, I always get in. I always get lost in like some of these podcasts where like these like ex CIA. Oh my god, on. dude! Like, they're so interesting. You know, like you're just like, all right, I'll, I'll see what this guy has to say. And uh, but like it's. The whole Chinese spy balloon thing and then, like, the UAP thing. You're like, what is really going on right now? Because you're interested. You really want to know. You really want to know the answer. And I feel like that's a human condition. But at the same time, I'm just like, maybe I don't really want to know. You know, <laughs> like, maybe I don't. <laughs> when all those fucking trains start crashing all of a sudden. Yeah, that was weird. I was like, yeah, I was like, okay, this is, you had one and then another one and then another one. I'm like, what are they releasing in the in the Ohio and shit? Because that's what they're all happening, right? It's all mm-hmm. the Asian people, right? <laughs> I'm telling you, don't trust them. Don't trust. Don't trust the communist people. By mm. the way, this dumbass told me that the trains were full of Asian people, and that's how they were getting Asians into the country. I told him they smuggle. They they smuggle people in trains and shit. Like that's a fact. So they were like, oh, they're <laughs> no, goddamn it, no, no, they weren't blowing up the trains because the Asian people were in there. And I said this like 25 years ago. By the way, uh, it's not. It doesn't make any better today. But I'm just saying, like, <laughs> you know, they smuggle people through however they can get them in here. And I mean, then, and well, then, yeah. they forge, they make them work servitude. I don't think they're on trains, though, man. I think they're coming over in. Well, like they boats, well they could be like cargo ships or something. Cargo like ships, all kinds of shit. Well, the thing is, is cargo ships carry containers that go on trains. So but he was talking about like the cylinder type. No, uh, no, no, no! I was talking about the box car where you graffitied one. You know, like the, the the cylinder. I'm not the not the round one, but like the square one. Right. Um, they go from the container ship. What are the Asian people doing here? I don't know. I'm just saying. I think I he think, saw some lettering that was 
Chinese or something, and he thought that those was, people. Were you sure that it wasn't just graffiti? <laughs> <laughs> this is when I was in college. It was like some like Asian guy, like in, in like LA, in Chicago, yeah, yeah, or Chicago. Yeah, he's like, man, I'm about to make this cool art. <laughs> Rolls over here. He's like, man, I bet you there's Asians in there. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't understand that. I don't know, but I, I do remember he used to say that. I was like, what a moron. Yeah, I know. <laughs> But yeah, so tell us about the music you got coming out, um, or the bands you, you know that you that you that you yeah, right absolutely. Now. Um, so uh, Burn the Witch, we're kind of like a New Orleans style, like um, like old school thrash, kind of like stoner metal band. You guys like that southern appeal. Uh, the band's been around since around. I want to say like the inception of it has been around since about 2016, 2017. It's been a couple member changes. Um, I was definitely an addition to this band, like, but I was always friends with them, so it was kind of like a shoe-in situation. Um, we, I'm trying to figure out wh- what our studio situation is because the way that we record music is we do like a few songs, then we go through Dave Cal. So we go Icarus Plan. We go through the same producer. Okay. So we, and that schedule is, is, I mean, they're so busy. So it's like when we can fit in. So we just did release a new song uh, last year. And I think we're, we're trying to get some in, but I have another project was actually with Richie from Metalsome. Um, we're, we've been doing this because the guys that I'm doing this with are business owners. So they're real busy. Um, and so we have to kind of allot the time, like my schedule has to align with their schedule. Like I do a lot of homework on my end. They'll do a lot of homework on their end. And then we kind of meet in the middle when it, one time allows us to do so. But that project's called dream theme. We have some socials built for it, but we don't have really anything up yet because kind of, I wanted to go ahead and try to save some of the socials, but I didn't want to, to put anything up until we had everything. Oh, all okay. in a row. So once that's finished, we'll, um, We'll just start rolling stuff out. So, but we're that one's more uh, kind of do it yourself. But we will take it off to so or send it off to people to have it mix and mastered. Um, but we're doing a lot of the recording on our own. Uh, we've been doing this off and on for years, so we're capable of getting what we need. That so we can just kind of ship it off, and that helps us actually do this in the time frame that we need because we're so we're so busy. And I'm like, yeah. and, and burn the witch is. They also have kind of like it's it's kind of a it's just a lot of scheduling. When you have this many things going on in your life, you have to kind of like schedule it. So like you figure out your projects and when you can do them. And uh, so these I should have music coming out with Dream Thief. I want to say we're going to probably start rolling <coughs> stuff out towards like the end of May, early June. Okay. We'll have a, a first song. We're actually talking about doing a music video. Um, and all that's going to hit all at one time. So, um. And then Burn the Witch will probably be later this year before we will see some new music out with that. But we have two shows uh, coming up. We have one April 15th at the High Tone Small Room with Lipstick Stains. Um, and then we're opening up for a band called Death Angel at Growlers like May 10th. So that's a pretty that's a big national show, which we usually try to grab some of those when we can. Um, those are always fun. So, But... Um, I don't have any really dates, but if like people want to like follow the socials or whatever, yeah. I'll be able to post stuff and share it whenever it's 
it's available because there's just so much going on and I don't really know with however all the parties involved like when it's actually going to release so I can't really put a date on it so are you gonna get it? Are you gonna get it mastered in that new system, the new at home? Well, not at home, but uh, what do you say? What's called at something? Yeah, I'm trying to figure that out right yeah. now. Um, I know there's a, there's a couple places in Nashville. Um, there's a couple mixing engineers that do oh, have that. Okay. There's also uh, like a couple studio. There's like a <clears throat> studio in Illinois. They have like two of them. I want to say, um, but they're also like part of. Uh, Sweetwater Music, so it's like Sweetwater Music's, um, which they're like a, a distribution of like instruments and musical supplies. But they actually have studios on site. Like their campus is like huge, and they have all this cool stuff. But they actually have recording studios, and I think two of them are uh, uh, like set up for Atmos. So, mm. but you can rent it out. Like I mean, I mean I'm sure the scheduling is going to be kind of crazy for that, but you could actually just go in and mix and do everything there yourself if you want to, but you're obviously going to have to pay like the rental for it, which would be cool. I mean, it'd be a, you know, a trip up there, but I I would I would love to learn how to do this. Like this is something that I'm definitely trying to figure out how to do myself. Yeah. So, what but, instrument do you play in the band? Uh, guitar. Bands? I've always been guitar first. Um but like I've in other bands I've played bass, um, um, but I can play piano. Oh wow! <laughs> I can I can play a little bit of trumpet, but I'm not very good. Like it was like when my grandfather and uh, my dad like that was like the first thing they were trying to show me. Uh, then like I kind of bounced over to, to like learning like Christmas songs on a little Casio piano, and I like I, that's that was kind of like the pickup. And then like. My dad also played guitar, and then he handed me my first guitar, showed me, like, three chords, and then I just kind of went on from there. But uh, guitar has always been the first, so it's, um, it's what I do a lot of my creative aspects on. And then, like, drums, uh, I'm, like, your basic average drummer. But I know enough and understand drums where I can, like, write the stuff myself for what oh. I need. You know, it helps me with composition, because, like, <clears throat> my interest in music, I also like to do um, a lot of... Uh, like soundtrack type stuff. So like I don't, a lot of instrumental, uh, I do a lot of that on my own, um, by myself and I have all the ability to do that. And, uh, it's that to me is like really rewarding because I'll create like compositions that you might be like on a video game or it could be like, just for like what I've been using it for here lately actually is like I'll post art and I'll make like a, a video, like an animated video out of the art that I've made. And I'll put that music that I created on it. So everything is just kind of me, but it's like a composition and I'll put it on the reels because like reels seems to be the thing. That's what I was talking about. Instagram's like to be able to promote my art or my music, I can put it in one single, like, I guess like a single product. It's not really a product. I'm not really selling it, but it's a good way to like promote myself. I'll put it in one thing and I can be able to share it. So you'll have something you can listen to something that you can see yeah. and it's all me. So, and Do you have uh, anything you can play for us? Um, yeah, I actually can.
good stuff. Yeah. Thanks, man. Yeah, it's uh, instrumental. Um, uh, I, I write the composition long enough where it's it's it, it's I can use it for certain stuff, and it can act kind of fit in the time like the timetable or like I'm not going over like a, as much as I would want to create like a whole like three and a half four minute long piece. Like I'm just trying to keep it like you know like maybe two minutes, like one minute. Sometimes I've done little segments that are even like thirty seconds, so they actually can fit on a reel. So mm. or like cause they used to have like a cap of like so I would like what can I write. And like the short amount of time that, we've, mm-hmm. that can fit on here without getting cut off, but still give the same effect. Yeah, so it's pretty cool. But yeah, I, I spend most of my time creating stuff like that. I have like so much more I'd probably show. But um, do you have something from your band? Yeah, I'm gonna show you the last Burn the Witch song that we released.
And that's Burn the Witch? That's Burn the Witch. That's awesome, man. Thank you. Did it's, you write that? Uh, yeah, uh, well, me, Eric, uh, were the the masterminds of that composition, that particular song. And uh, Dave Cowell actually had some a little, some input in that as well when we were in the studio. Turned out really well. It's probably the heaviest song. Yeah. Uh, oh, one of the heaviest. Some of the newer stuff from Burn the Witch is definitely on a heavier range. There's Some of the older stuff was a lot more singing and a lot less screaming, but like we kind of went in a more aggressive approach. Um, just to kind of mix it up a little bit. So it's, it's pretty fun. Um, and the shows are super fun. Like I, I have a lot of fun playing live with this band because none of it's like it, uh, it's not daunting to me when it, when trying to perform the songs, like I actually can have a good time playing them and actually play the parts and I have to concentrate on not being able to mess up because I played in a lot of like really technical metal bands and, Sometimes, like, you you have to just kind of be stuck. Like, you're just stuck playing. You have to concentrate on your parts. You want to you hit a wrong note. And this one is just like, oh, man, I'm about to just go to town live. <laughs> yeah. That's so, awesome. Yeah. So did you travel a lot with bands that you've been in? Yeah, I did. Actually, I used to... Um, I used to work in production, and I would travel with artists and do, like, audio engineer stuff, Oh, too. okay. So, some... It's that like the life of that is I, I kind of let it go because it's it was a lot of 18 hour days mm-hmm. damn, and a lot of traveling. And it's just like the, a lot of people think there's a lot of glitz and glamour to like the tour life. And when you're on like the production side, it's not glitz and glamour at all. I mean, yeah, you get to go places, but like. For me, it was like mostly the venue or like a hotel room. Mm. You know, like it's like the, it's not the, the same. You've no. been somewhere, but you didn't get to see it. Yeah, and if and like there's a lot of pressure to make sure things happen when they're supposed to. And like uh, like on the artist sense, like like on an artist standpoint, I've 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 done everything on such a low scale. So it's like van trailer, you know, eating off the dollar menu. <laughs> and then like you know, this one was like oh, I was getting catering and stuff, but like I was also like had this pressure to make sure that the start time but i also have to deal with this promoter and then Mm. you know just everything happening the way it is and then like knowing like they have an opener i have no idea who who the opener is of what what instruments they have and then trying to make that work you know before curtain call so Mm. it's that's it's always a struggle but it was fun but um i kind of retired the the whole production touring thing but I, i had a lot of fun doing it absolutely so so is music now just more like a passion project for you? Um, to a degree, I guess. Um, there's still things that I want to do with it, but not on the scale of like your, not the, like the normal scale. So I guess it would still be kind of like a, a passion project. Like some of my influences are people who do like compositions and like write music for stuff like like movies, like mm, I, okay. like if I could just be like a guy that sat in a studio and just did composition for like video games and movies, my life would be set. Like yeah. I would love to do that. Um, I've, and so like I kind of worked myself into that and just doing stuff like that on my own. Actually, me and my buddy are actually making a video game. Really? Yes, we are making a video game. He's doing a lot of the legwork, not me. So. Yeah. <laughs> but like because of like on the on the creative aspect, I can give him some of like the like building the models and stuff for it. And I have everything to do that. And I've been trying to do that some of that here lately while he's still doing all the, the basic stuff to get it started. But I'm on I'm literally gonna do all the music for it. So that's gonna be so cool. 
Yeah, so, but it's going to, like, the only thing is, is because, like, the, the style of game it's going to be, so it's going to be, like, a first-person shooter. So, it's going to have to have, like, certain sounds. So, either I'm going to have to create those myself, or I'm going to have to license or buy those from somewhere. Oh, uh, okay. So, because I'm not going to be able to do all these gunshots. I'm, like, I'm not going to go hunt down somebody that has, like, an M16 and be like, all right, let me bring in this, <laughs> you know. <laughs> Boom. <laughs> and I'm sure there's plenty of stuff where I can get the, get those audio files and just use those. But as far as, like, the music, the background music and stuff like that i'm definitely going to uh, do all that and that's i'm gonna do all on my own i'm always been kind of a diy you know like i like to, i like to just learn how to do things and do it and if i'm either i'm good at it or i'm bad at it you know just gotta keep practicing and i think anything is you know practice makes perfect so starting is the first thing yep and sure. most people don't ever want to start no no and it's it i think my biggest problem is i spread myself so thin but like it's, you just want to do so much, mm. you know. And you you want to you want to have all these projects. But like I'm, I'm trying to like narrow where I can like fit all the projects into like one thing. Yeah. That way, the 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 one thing that I'm actually focused on is that one particular thing instead of a bunch of things. So it, uh, once I get that figured out, oh, it's gonna be game on. So like I'll just be like, all right, all my efforts going into this one thing. When but is I, when is the game gonna come out? I. Uh, I do not have a date on that yet. There's it takes it takes like years. Yeah, it takes about like a year or two to actually even get one, like to make one. Now there's things in place, like certain things that we have that will help us like streamline that. So it might cut the time, but I would say I would say probably about a year. It's going to because the game's gonna be made first, and then we'll have to work on all the audio stuff. So. Once that happens, that will probably be like a few months. But I'll have people want to show, like, follow me on my socials. I will definitely start sharing that whenever I have more information or, or like, when I know exactly when it's going to do its thing. Cause I just don't want to put a date on anything yet and then, like, not make it. Yeah. So I'd rather put a date on something that I know I'm going to either, I either have to push myself to make it. But right now, I don't have, a, I don't have a clue. So. That is really fucking cool. Y'all are doing that, man. Yeah, well, technology. Like, um, there's a lot of things. There's a lot of people that are trying to do that. I think that what was frustrating is, is like, there was this one game that we we enjoyed playing, and like the actual developers of it like ruined it, and it didn't make it fun for us anymore. So, like, what? How about we just make our own version of this? Mm. What game? Uh, it's Call of Duty. Oh my god, the newest one fucking sucks. I don't like it at all. But like th- there's one particular game mode that we loved. It was called Gunfight. So it's like you go in and it's just you get whatever gun that's handed to you and then like it, each round you get a different gun. And so it takes more skill than it does and it makes it more competitive and challenging and it's it, like you kind of get enjoyment out of doing that. Um, and they took that out. They didn't even put that in the new game. And we're just like, uh, they've had it in like every other Call of Duty. Why did you do this? And which they did that on a lot of levels, a lot of other things. But I don't really have a lot of time to like, like I only do that for a social aspect because, uh, some of my friends that they don't live here anymore. They live in like other parts. So we will, if I have a little bit of time, we'll, we'll game up. And mm-hmm. I, I enjoy that because that's the easy way for me to like <clears throat> cut out everything and just like hang out with some dudes that I, I can't otherwise do on a regular basis. And we, chat laugh and talk and uh it it's a good social structure but we're trying to create something like that for our friends too so that's gonna be rad i can't wait yeah i'm I'm super excited about it and when we realized how easy it was gonna be for us to do it we were just like oh this is gonna be awesome <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
That's legit, man. Yeah. Yeah, like I said, Jack Jack of all trades, master of none. But like, it's just I do this stuff because that's like we talk about life and like an experience. Mm-hmm. Um, and you might as well just try things. Like, go for it. Like, find goals, find things that you like, you enjoy, and see if you you can do it. Yeah, you don't want to have a regret. Mm-mm. Be like, I didn't try that because I saw this thing the other day. I posted. It's like, I'll start today, and then fifty years later, the person's still saying, "I'll start today." Yeah. And they never start. No. And it's like life is not endless, not a video game. You don't get a repeat as far as we know. Nope. So it's like, or at least in our current form. With my like scheduling, like the way that I have to like do like just like my regular, like I sleep maybe four and a half, five hours every night. Mm -hmm. And the only reason why is because like I still have to work. If I if, if there was ever a point where I could like supplement my income where I could cut back to like a more part time situation, I would def, it would definitely help me. I could put more time into these other projects, but instead of my time management has to be on a certain level, but it cuts my sleep to about mm. five hours a night. Yeah. So it's um, because, but I I'll give myself a certain amount of time for each thing, or like this day I'm working on this, the next day I have to work on this. Or I have something that I need this done by this weekend, so I'll work on this until for this, and then after that I have to go back to the next thing. And it's just like time management when you're trying to do all these projects and you want to achieve all these goals. Like you, you have to learn that, and I think a lot of people don't have that either. Yeah, and it's it's definitely not it's a skill that you have to figure out, and it's I'm still working on it, but I managed to spend a lot of time doing these things, um, but I just have to do it. Like, mm-hmm. I, I sit down and do it. And if it ain't working, it's not working. Like, try again tomorrow. But, like, most of the time, I'm always working on something. Always. Yeah, I think a lot of people say they don't have time, but they have time for a lot of bullshit. And if you can figure out what you're wasting time on, like what you said about, like, looking on the Facebook app, how long you're mm-hmm. on there, whatever. Like, allocate that time to something that's beneficial to you. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times people just want to allocate their time. I mean, if that's what you want to do, that's fine. But there's some people that bitch about not having time to do something. Those people I have an issue with. Yeah. It's like figure out what is wasteful and stop doing that and then put something towards your life to better it. Like, uh, like even like just like fitness or anything. It's like we all have an hour a day to do something. So the hour is going to pass regardless. So you might as well use that hour to better yourself physically, mm-hmm. financially or mentally. Right. Like I said, a lot of people just have a lot of excuses, man. I know. It's very sad. Because like I said, man, I mean, I've harped on it a lot. But when you realize that you don't have time, when you see somebody, like, like you mentioned your father. Like I lived with a guy that passed away from cancer. And I saw him every day just dwindling down, man. And like when I saw, when it's in your face like that, it, it's real. It's not just, oh, that person died. It, you watch somebody die and it's just. It makes you appreciate life a lot more, man, and not want to waste this fucking time because you don't have a lot of it. Yeah. It's time can't, we can't get back, man. No, it's definitely time you can't get back. And it's like just you can't take it for granted. Mm-hmm. You can't take it for granted. So that's why I keep myself busy. Like, I just keep myself busy um, because I, there's so many things I want to do. And, like, I feel like every once in a while I have to sit down and just, like, enjoy the air and look at the, you know, the sky. But just so I can just process and like you know go back at it but i never try to waste my time on things that that i don't need to yeah and i think that comes with age too man 
Because, like, uh, I was looking at somebody's snap the other day, or I think it was this morning, and I'm like, I mean, this is, like I said, they can do whatever they fucking want, but all they do is just go out every single night and just waste, and to me, it seems like a waste of time. And it's Is like, this person our age? Yeah, they're Sorry, older, actually. They're older, and it's just like, man, what, does that bring you joy? Some people that just want the social thing. Because I think I would want to spend that money I'm going to spend on alcohol, so I'm going to go travel go somewhere. somewhere. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, I do not like I'll it depends on like what's going on if I, I like I allow myself to go out like there'll be like one night a week where I'll go like meet up with bandmates or friends or something Um, but like there's weekends where I literally go home and I don't answer my phone I don't talk to anyone yeah. like it's not like I'm I'm just kind of ghost everyone and I, I like as much like they're like you want to do something I'm like nah I'm like I'm gonna stay home because there's other things I need to put my time into mm-hmm. you know like sometimes it's just taking care of the yard. Like, yeah. you know, like I was like, Hey, I should probably clean this thing up. That, that's messed up. You know, just doing that stuff, like stopping. Uh, I love, like I'm, I'm a total go out social nightlife person, but like, I, within reason, you know, mm-hmm. I don't make it my life because I much rather achieve other things, uh, than just that. It's like instant gratification. And it's the same reason, like, like people with like, you know, addiction or substance issues like that, like they're you waste all that time, effort, and money for something that only lasts for a short period of time. Yes. And going out on a Friday night is not good. It, it might cause you more grief than it would, <laughs> like you know, Generally like you reward feel like shit the next day, or it depleted your bank account or something. I mean, it, it it's just absolutely yeah. And it's just like you're, I mean, I think a lot of times, like when you're younger, especially when you're you're like, oh, I'm going out to get late. You know, you're going you're like going. I'm going to party. I'm gonna go to the club. I'm gonna go to the bar. I'm gonna go hang out with some friends, and I'm probably gonna try to get laid. And that's, I mean, that's normal young people scenario. And I think like as you get older, like you you try not to fight that. You know, you're like, oh, I'm gonna keep wanting to do that. And you're like, hmm. like sometimes you just need to try to like not do that. Like go yeah. do something else. So either way. And the way the world is going, man, it's sometimes dangerous to go outside. It's unfortunately. I've t- I talked about this before on here before, but I've never thought about random acts of violence as much as I do now when I go places. It's true. Um, I think the best thing that anyone can do is is always have like some type of like self awareness and be aware of your surroundings. And that's what I was talking about earlier when I first got here, even though this was like pre podcast. Yeah. Um, is that like a lot of people in Memphis are really conditioned to like be kind of street savvy. If you're from here, you grew up here, you're kind of you 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 know the survival ways. But there's a lot of people that don't know that and they don't realize it. And those mm. are the people that usually are the targets. Yeah. And um, and it's like you. If you can be aware of what's going on out there, you can try to be safer. And I feel like with Memphis, that's definitely a place. So if like any like tourist, like I feel sorry for them sometimes. But like I've known people who are street smart, so they have been robbed, been shot. Um, it happens. I mean, you just always I don't know. Look over, look over your shoulder. Don't ever when you're walking in it at night by yourself. Or you're in an intersection, pay attention to the cars around you. Like, mm-hmm. you're looking at make sure the, the lights turn red or green, but, like, kind of look over at you. Like, pay, look in your mirrors. Like, always be aware. And I feel like that is the easiest way to survive in, in today. Like, it's just awareness. Yeah, because I, I saw something that people are, like, following people home, and they're following them into their driving line. I mean, their, their uh, driveway. Yeah, well, see, I've had situations actually where I were this, I get, like on the interstate, like follow me 
I thought I was like, man, is it the feds or something? I'm like, what do they want with me? Yeah. You know, did I post something on the internet I shouldn't have? Like, uh, but no, like I like I would be followed, and they would follow me all the way to my driveway. But instead of pulling to my driveway, I just kept going, mm. and I just kept doing circles around the neighborhood until they finally turned off. So I didn't let so them know crazy. exactly where I was yeah. going. Yeah, you know? yeah, you gotta like you gotta be you gotta be aware, man. But just like when someone's taking the, like every turn, mm-hmm. you know. With nowhere to go, but they're literally taking every turn. And it's like, it's like a amount, like you're like, this person has to be following me. Yeah. So either way, we're living in crazy times, right? It now. really is. Yeah. I, I wonder what, uh, 2024 is going to hold. <laughs> Who knows? I did DoorDash last two weekends ago and towards it, when I was getting done with it, like it was further and further out by like, um, like you'd pick up the Taco Bell over here at by East high school, you know? And you drop it off at, um, like, in, in the, you know, the hood, pretty much, right? And I'm pulling up to this one guy's house. <clears throat> and when I was pulling up, I was like, okay, this is the last one for the night. I'm done. And, I mean, there's, like, 20 people hanging out outside. I'm fucking walking in with this, you know, my car's right there, you know. And it was like, I'm bound to get robbed doing this. I'm not doing this shit ever again. Yeah, it, no, it's, I have a friend that uh, she finally got another job, but like when she was like going through the process, she lives in New Orleans or she lives close to New Orleans. So she was doing a lot of Ubering in New Orleans and they were having those problems with all the like the Uber drivers getting killed and stuff. And it was just like she was like, I, I don't want to do this. Like, yeah. I really do not want to do this. I was like, well, I mean, I was like, I hope like you can find another, you know, something else. And I mean, obviously what she was working towards, she got, yeah. but it took a long time and like it was like just like a really long interview process with the position she was going for so like she was just doing the, the uber and like all these people are just trying to supplement incomes like in between or just targets for crime and it's it's sad it's really sad yeah it's like you never know who you walk by that might be uh that snap one yeah. day absolutely like, it's like that michael douglas movie falling down or yeah something like that. remember where he just snaps all of a sudden one day in yeah. traffic yeah well like I saw a meme actually. I'm gonna take this like on the opposite end, but there was a meme of that of that, and it was like I was like I as a kid I was terrified of this guy. As an adult, I started to figure out. Like, <laughs> yeah, seeing that, <laughs> yeah. I understand why why you did happen. Why, yeah, why, why he acted mean. the way he did. Yeah, one hundred percent. Yeah, it, it, and the McDonald's scene is the truest man. Like it's oh, we stop serving breakfast at ten thirty. It's ten thirty. I'm here for breakfast. Oh, we don't have it. And that's when he fucking just goes yeah. deep shit. Yeah. It's like people get unhinged. They, they, and they do stupid things, but it's like, you never know what pushed them to that point, you know? So, yeah, <clears throat> that's why I say you always just be kind. Hopefully yep. they spare you. Yeah. I've, I've, I've turned a new leaf on that. Like I, well, not a new leaf. Cause I've always been a generally a, a really good person, a nice person to anyone that I'm like, I come in contact with, but like, I don't use the energy for any type of negativity as much as I can towards anyone just for the simple fact. Like, I don't want to be the, the target of like somebody being mad. I want to be the last person they're going to want to shoot. You know what I mean? Like you want to be the guy who gets crossed off Billy, the Billy Madison. Oh, list. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you, like, you like Steve Buscemi. You're like, Oh yeah, no, mm-mm. he, he was nice. Yeah, it's like he apologized, and that's something. Sometimes it's all it takes is somebody to say I'm sorry. Yeah, but a lot of people are just like they have an ego or whatever. They'll they'll bump into you and like like you're the problem. Mm-hmm. Even if somebody bumps into me, I'm like I'm sorry. I don't know. There's so many like well we're 
like people, I think human compassion. And I think a lot of people, even the ones that are struggling that can become unhinged, like they just want some type of com- level of compassion. Mm. They might need it. Now there is some evil, yeah, evil people out there that don't care. They don't feel compassion, you know, but there's some people that might just that are not necessarily evil that might need that. So you never know. It's the risk you take. I was I asked chat GPT the other day. I was like, <laughs> does thing, a lion, man. does a lion know that it's killing? And then chat GPT is like, no, it, it's just instinct, you know, to kill or whatever. And, you know, it's like, not like a human does. But, you know, we are animals, too. But it's just like it is crazy that some people can get to that point of rage. And I wonder if sometimes if people, once they kill somebody, do they have remorse, like real remorse or do just like they just don't give a fuck? I've maybe, maybe like the first, like, if, like if we're talking about like serial killers, I think maybe like the first time they do it, there's that remorse. Mm. But then like all the negative aspect, like, or all the, the positive, like the other, the thrill or whatever the reason why they're doing it, the gratification. Yeah. Cause some of it's, you know, it's, when I mean sexual based, it's not like actual sex. It's like it's like the same type of thing where they're they get that arousal, like a power thing, like a power thing. Yeah. And so they're I think the first time there might be remorse. The second time, not so much more. Third time, not so much more. And I think that's just what makes serial killers. Then they're just getting the power thing. And then everything they ever felt like it's like kind of like it's like. You do something once and, you know, you're nervous and you, there's all those uh, feelings from that experience. And then after a while, you do it so often. You're desensitized. You're to desensitized. Yeah, because yep. I was watching the Dahmer. I don't know how true that Netflix thing was. But then, like, he was just kind of waiting to get caught. Yeah, pretty much. I think, like, when he first killed somebody, I think he was nervous about it. But then, I mean, he was doing it in his fucking apartment eating fucking people. Yeah. Fucking wild. Man. I tried to watch, like, the... I think I watched, like, the first or second... Or just like watch some. I, I I didn't get very far into that. I'm not gonna lie. Yeah, I just couldn't. I don't. I don't know. I've, I keep up. I've, I love you know crime, like true crime and murder mystery. Like I'll listen to all that stuff. But like for some reason, watching that particular Dahmer, I yeah. just could not yeah. do it. I could I, not do it. I don't know. I think one, for of, me. one of the worst ones I watched was the guy that killed his wife and his two kids. And the killer of the two kids was probably worse for me than the. Oh, you talking about uh, Chris Watt, the guy that uh, put him in the drum or the oil the drum? Oil, oil drum, yeah. yeah, yeah, dude. That guy, like, it was over an affair. It was like, he yeah, was in a, yeah, just dude. leave. Like, you already got in shape. <laughs> just fucking leave her, man. Like, it's, I don't know. That yeah, whole that thing. was that was tough. That was tough to watch. Yeah. That one. That's and not, then you know it's real. And then like they were playing the kids' audio of the kids talking <laughs> and stuff. And she had like a, she was had like a, a very she had like a active social media account, yeah. You know, and I was like, yeah. they were like adding that into that, and it's just like, I don't know. I mean, his it was like his mistress, I think, kind of like turned him in, wasn't it? Or like, it, I, I think like at, he they found out, but like because she was missing and they couldn't figure out. Because I think he took a polygraph test, and the, the detectives were like, "Do you really want to do this?" And yeah. he's like, he was so cocky that he took the test, and they're like, "You, we know you did it." Yeah. And he like broke down. Well, she like ended up like rolling on him, but it was like one of those things where I've, I don't know, like the whole conspiracy was like really her role in it. Like, was mm. she was she cool with him actually doing what he did or or not? And like the mistress or whatever. Mm-mm. I mean, either way, man, there's 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 no reason to kill anyone. Yeah, no. man. Just beat their ass. Yeah. 
No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Serve up a good old ass whooping. I, I I don't know. I think people today are so prideful that they they want to shoot somebody after they get their ass beat, or they're so they like these whole club things that happen. Mm-hmm. Like you got embarrassed in the club, and then you got to go back out. Like what happened? I'm assuming that's happened at that pre place. Mm-hmm. And the way I heard, like it was just rapid fire. It wasn't like bang. It was you know just popping like, shots off. Yeah, in a place. Man, like in a club. You know when you're going to hit people. Like, it, uh, not just the person you're mad at. Like, the innocent bystanders. Yeah, it's insane. Makes you not. Well, I'm, I'm definitely not going to be hanging out in any clubs anytime soon. Yeah. No, it just it doesn't make any sense, man. Mm-mm. It's crazy. I mean, it's the uh, well, uh, emotional immaturity. Full circle. Full circle. <laughs> so, would you like to ask Joey your question? Oh, yeah. My bad. Sorry. Um, well, actually, I have a different one. That I can't, I'm sorry. One second. Um, <clears throat> okay, I have, I have two questions. All one right. is what is your def- what is your definition of happiness, and are you currently happy? And my second question is, if you could go back in time and relive a moment, which one? What would it be? All right. Um. Sorry, man. This is you know. This no, it's go. fine. Yeah. Actually, this is, uh, um, I I like that you ask these questions. Okay, um, I can happiness can be very vague mm-hmm. uh, and very simple. Um, being content in a situation um, that you're like just being okay with being somewhere or doing something um, that's a part of your life. To me, that's happiness. And I I try to apply that with everything, whether it's with people are involved or if it's with myself or if it's something I'm just in doing. But um, I don't know. Uh, I don't try to look into what I don't try to look into happiness as like something I have to really define. Okay. Um, because it's it's just really happiness is an is an emotion. Yeah. Uh, and and there's. Sometimes just drinking a cold beer can give me happiness. Sometimes watching uh, stand-up comedians can give me happiness. So I just take it when it happens. I just want it when it happens. Um, As far as a memory where I could go back and live one moment. Y'all ever seen the movie uh, End Time? I don't think so. Who's in it? Um, It's... it's I want to say the guy that made uh, like the holiday. It's like it's like a, a UK like British movie, but okay. uh, it's the guy that played. Uh, he played in. He's played in like Star Wars, and I think Simon Pegg. No. Guy? Is that it? In time? No. In time, UK movie. You said yeah. I want to say it's in time or about time. About time, maybe. Let's see. British comedy, European romantic comedy. Yeah, it has uh, Rachel McAdams in it, I think. Yeah. Okay. Wait. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Wait, what is it? Uh, Let me see it. <clears throat> hmm. um, oh, is that like where he gets handicapped? Is that that's not the Stephen Hawking movie? No, 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 no. So this movie, <laughs> I'll explain this movie. And then a, I'll, it looked like the Stephen Hawking guy. Well, no, I think that's the chick from uh, Game of Thrones, isn't it? Yeah. Well, what, I'm sorry. What are you saying? Jerry? Okay, so. I'll explain this movie because this this movie I watched one time. 
I watched one time and it 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 was it's very it's very moving, it's very sad. But basically this guy has this this ability that's genetic like with his dad and like his grandfather or whatever where he can go back in time. Okay. Um and he can go back in time to like certain things, but every time he comes back I think like the situation changes and he can only go back like a certain time. Well, there at a point his dad gets sick and dies. Mm-hmm. And he lives his life, and so to, like, go back to that certain point in time, he would have to change everything about his family life that he had now. Like, his, he had kids. His kids would be different. He, he might not be with the, the same woman or whatever to experience that point and going back and, and, and get one last moment with his dad. Um, I would, for me, I would love to go back and just see my dad again. And, like, hang out with him, even if it was for five minutes. But at the same time, I try not to dwell on those last memories. So I don't think I can go back. Because I, I kind of take the philosophy of that situation in that movie as much as, as as much as I miss that part of my life or that situation. Like, I can't dwell on it. And I can never relive it. Yeah. And trying to relive it, it's never going to let me live in the present. And I think that's maybe what that movie was about. But for me, that's definitely in the situation. So... I'll leave it with that. <laughs> what memory would you go back to? I don't know. I was thinking about it one. Um, maybe when I first came to America. When was that? Uh, 80, 86, I think. What was so special about it? I don't, I don't know. That's what I'm thinking. Which, like, I mean, besides <clears throat> coming to this country, what, what makes you hold on to that memory? I just wanted to relive that. Like I, I heard it. I, my everyone told me like my eyes were like this young kid, this big eyes, this new country, you know, like in a car, like just driving to my uncle's house. Like I don't know. I was like when I when I saw that on TikTok, that question, people were talking about different things like that, and that that's one of the things that brought me. Like, I was thinking about yeah, like to relive that moment. Maybe what about you? I don't know if a memory I want to go back to. We'll just make one up. <laughs> I don't know. I don't think there's anything I just want to go back to. I can't think of anything right now. I have to think about that. Yeah. I, see, that's the, for me, that was kind of where when you asked that, that it was deep. Yeah. I had to reflect on it. But, I mean, that was one thing that I thought about, even though it seemed really sad. It's just trying to be positive. Like, you know, like as much as like there's so many things I would love to go relive. Yeah. Like, there's a lot of fun things that I've experienced out in my life, but those are experiences that are past me now. So what about, new beginnings. New beginnings. What about uh, going back to before Josh got sick or something like that? I mean, he's still going to get sick and die. Though. Yeah, it's true. I, w- I wish I didn't see him dying. Yeah, that 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 image is burned in my fucking memory, man. Like watching somebody talk while they're literally taking their last couple of breaths is, ah, it's fucking rough, man. Mm-hmm. It's fucking rough. Yep. Yeah. I, I, I try to look forward than in the past because generally you can't do anything about the past anyways. No, you can't. It's already happened. You don't know what the future holds. Yeah. That's something you can kind of control. To a certain extent, to a certain outside, extent. Of, outside forces can fuck that up for us. Sometimes. Oh, absolutely. But what my philosophy on all that is, even though that happens, you just got to roll with it and you just got to figure out how to adapt through mm-hmm. those through yeah. those those outside forces. Yeah. 
And that's what we call life. 100%. So what is your advice for people and what mark do you see yourself leaving on the world? Uh, my advice for anyone would probably be uh, always be honest to yourself, be honest to others. Um, uh, try to keep your drive and stay focused. Um, don't let other people um, be an impact on goals and things that you have set in your life. Focus on those first. And and be real selfish about it. Like go and achieve your goals and do all the things that you want to do and then find someone. Learn to adapt in that way and live your life with with just completing goals and then find time to make it for people. You can still have friends and relationships, but your main focus, stay focused on that. And that's and that's from life experience because I've I've let relationships take me from opportunities more mm-hmm. than once. And so you have to just kind of keep the drive and keep keep going on the goal. Um, what was the other question? Oh, adv- advice for people. Oh, no, no, no. Uh, what um, mark do you see yourself leaving the world? Um, I would love to just to have like music out there that, that people would enjoy listening to. That's there forever. Just out in the ether. I don't care if it, if it's on, on any scale, like somebody just enjoy it. You know, one person could go and find a song that I wrote and created and listen to it. And that would be plenty enough for me because at the end, I can't take it with me, and probably a hundred years from now, not everybody's probably going to remember it anyways. So, man, speaking on that right there, somebody, my friend, messaged me this thing about Coolio and how he died, and they found he died of fentanyl overdose. Mm-hmm. And I was like, "Oh shit, Coolio did die!" And I was like, "That guy actually did something with his life, and he's already forgotten." Yeah. So, like, what about people that never do anything at all? How quickly oh, are we going to be forgotten? Yeah. So to have something that can be left behind that somebody may find later on and it may enrich their life is truly a blessing. Yeah. And to keep stuff like I saw this thing one time. It's like, who's the greatest person that never started? Not people that started and quit. They never even tried. So like to do what you're doing and putting shit out there is it's amazing because a lot of people never will. Yeah. I mean, you never know what you're capable of doing if if you're never going to do it. Yeah, and that that's something that I have I've, I've seen. Like, I've, there, there's so many talented people that that have those talents, but they're for some reason they don't they don't put in the work, and that's it. I mean, that's how. I mean, you keep yourself from doing that, but that's. I mean, I think everybody can probably struggle through that certain degree. It's just being able to help yourself get you know, achieve the things that you need to do. Yeah. Cause it's like, get out of your own way. Yeah. Cause like much. a lot of times people are like, ah, oh, why am I doing this? I, I, I listen to that word. You're saying I, nobody's I. stopping you, but you it's true. Mm-hmm. You're worried about somebody else's opinion. Who gives a fuck about that person's opinion? What are they doing with their life? Probably nothing. Probably nothing. I mean, there's so many people that are on the sideline. They say their booze usually come from the cheap seats. Mm hmm. So it's like you're going to be rattled or stop because you're worried about somebody's opinion that more than likely they're using an anonymous account or some dumb shit or their block page or private account or like said, so they never accomplished anything. And I love Gary Vee. He's like, you took time out of your day to shit on me. Like, I feel sorry for you. Exactly. Exactly. I can't I cannot <clears throat> stress that enough. That phrase, what you just said. 
Dude, it just doesn't make any sense, man. And like I said, that just shows how sad they are that they want to rain on somebody else's parade. We should be trying to build people up, not tearing people down, man. And I don't know why, like, advances people, like, I like to say it's a small minority of people doing that, but it's, they're the loudest ones. And unfortunately, they're using these platforms mm-hmm. to boost their bullshit. Yeah, that's, that's the, that's the only thing about technology and social media. I think some, that's the negative aspect mm-hmm. is it's given a platform for people who shouldn't have it. Yeah. You know? And I'm not saying that they shouldn't. It's just they're using that that tool the wrong way, and they don't they don't care. They yeah. don't, don't have any compassion in that. It's like you're just pixels or an avatar to them. You're, you're not a real human. Because I guarantee, in person, these people probably wouldn't say the shit that they say about these people. No, you know, like if they they came face to face with them, they'd probably dick ride them if they saw them. Oh, probably so. They just hate to hate, and yeah, and they they have an audience, and that's what gives attention and gets likes and comments, and it's like, why, man? Mm-mm. So my last few questions are: uh, What do you think happens when we die, and who would you like to give flowers to or appreciation? Um, man, you, yeah, why y'all got so deep? <laughs> All right, so. <laughs> I want to believe that maybe our consciousness goes somewhere else. I'm not very religious, so I don't believe in heaven or hell. Um, But I believe that I would like to know that our energy goes somewhere else into something else. Or maybe there's another level of that. That would be totally an awesome aspect. But there also could be the situation that nothing happens when we die. Yeah. But I, I, I try to keep the glass half full. You know, so without it controlling me. So I don't, I don't really, honestly, I don't really care what happens to me when I die. I probably won't even know. I think that's how you should live because (coughs) you should live, live because that's all we know right now. Like worrying about something that possibly may happen is just kind of foolish in my opinion. I mean, but I think that might keep some people on the straight and narrow though, because they're trying to get to this heaven or not go to hell. But I don't know. I just think that the fear of unknown is what a lot of people are so worried about. And for me, I'm not I'm not worried about what's going to happen to me after I die. I'm worried about what I can do here while I'm still alive. Yeah, no, I totally agree with that. And that's that's the driving force in my life, not me be, being afraid that that I'm. But, like, because I, I don't know when I'm going to die. Mm-hmm. So I'm not trying to, like, look forward to that moment. I'm trying to look forward to how to live right now in the moment. So that's all. It, that That's a something that it took me a while. And I think, you know, dealing with loss yeah. is definitely something that helps with that. As far as flowers, giving it to someone. Of course, I, the easy option would be, like, hey, I'll give them to my mom because I love my mom. My mom's uh, the... You know, she's a huge supporter of my life and everything that I do. Uh, some of the last real family that I have left. But it's, um, yeah, I would definitely do that. You know, or I would just, you know, I don't know. I've never been like a flower giving kind of type of person. I feel like it giving, giving flowers as appreciation is like a typical, um, like a typical 
generic way, cliche way of like showing appreciation. I feel like there's other ways that you can go about giving appreciation to people that is inventive or that means more than just some flowers that are going to wither and die away. Anyways. Yeah. You know, there's actions, 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 or just, you know, that, yeah, that would probably be the best way to, to say that. Like actually doing something for someone and showing them appreciation versus just giving them something that's going to wither. You know. It could be even something so simple as, <clears throat> excuse me, as just sharing somebody's posts on social media. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it takes nothing to do that. Yeah. And most of us just scroll by our friend's shit without sharing it yeah. or just even liking it. You know, so it's just like little, little things, man. It's a oh, butterfly I, effect. I think a lot of that <clears throat> has to do like sometimes I don't know if it's like people appreciation or if it's just like social media in general that like keeps people from ever seeing your shit you know mm-hmm. so it's like you you'll, you have like a small target audience that like social media lets you uh, allows your stuff to go to and then like the, there's that other part of the audience that are passive scrollers you know yeah. so it's it's like how do you you know how do you even know so but that's it's another another talk for another day but um but yeah, I think just showing people like you know acts of kindness and appreciation that has something that can be more lasting than a, a thing of flowers is what I would go with for sure. And where can everybody find you at? Um, I'm trying to keep all everything that I do on my Instagram account because I can share everything from my bands, the shows, art, music through that platform. I do have a copy over to my Facebook account, but I'm trying to like go away with the whole Facebook account. Um, but they can find me at, at so S O period intrusive I N T R U S I V E on Instagram. And that will kind of link you to everything else, all the projects and everything that I'm doing. So, um, we can actually, and, uh, be under the, the moniker Harrison Fjord. (laughs) (laughs) People, people were like, why did you do that? And I was like, well, I was like, I was like, what the fuck? Cause like some people were like, why did you do that? I was like, well, think about it. Like I'm putting myself out there on social media and I like actually using my name and the things that I do. I don't give myself any type of anonymity Mm -hmm. on whatever scale. Like I'm not, I'm not saying like I'm an actor. It's just like how can I separate like my art and what I do from the actual person? Yeah. And I kind of wanted, I just created a moniker to do that because it just it makes it easier, you know. So uh, because all you're really interested, anyways, is is the art. Not it shouldn't be the person. Yeah. It should never be the person. Actually, I heard that Facebook Reels are the new move. Yeah. What now? Yeah. Facebook all- Reels are getting a lot more interaction than Reels on Instagram. Oh, I thought that was just real. Okay. Well, I think what it is is they cross. No, when I post stuff on my Instagram, it shares, like even Reels, it, the Reels go straight to Facebook. They're, oh, Reels they're from Instagram going straight, straight to Facebook? Straight to Facebook. They're connected. Oh, okay. They're connected yeah. now? See, I thought you always had to no, do an Instagram no, no, Reel. You that, have to do a Facebook Reel. Uh-uh. Uh, I can share it to both. Well, there's an option in Instagram where you can do that. Oh, okay. okay. So sometimes I turn it off because I don't want to share a lot of stuff that I post on Instagram to my Facebook account. Yeah. But then sometimes I do. Like, I don't know. It depends on what it is. Um, sometimes I just post things on Facebook that I don't want on my Instagram account. But there's an option to do that. And um, 
I mean, it's like Meta is the one that owns both of them. Yeah. You know, so Zuckerberg over here got Instagram all goofy now, but whatever. It's still a platform I'm trying to use because you can you can make a professional account with it. So if you need to sell a product or need to promote a product, you can do that through Instagram. And I'll get I, that's that's cool. But like I try to keep it like like my private life, like as much as I can on Instagram off. You know, it's art, it's music, it's shows, it's uh, concerts and stuff that I do or I go to. Like, that's what I like to share on there. And I just keep it, you know, that way. What do you think about the blue checks? Um, Are we talking about for Twitter? Uh, for Instagram. For Instagram? Or it's kind of the same. Because it's Twitter blue and Instagram verified now. Yeah, I'm not. Yeah. See, I'm not one. I'm not a person that cares about, like, I guess, like, verify would be good for people trying to impersonate someone else who is a public figure. Yeah. I could see the blue check working for that. But as far as, like, just the social status, like, I don't care. See, the way I look at it is, like, why do you have to verify your account or pay to verify your account to protect it on their platform? Shouldn't that be their main priority is to protect the people? So you should, the verification should be just something you do to sign up. Like, hey, here's my driver's license. This is a picture of me. This is who I am. Yeah. I don't think you should have to pay for like a social. And if you're doing it for a social reason, I think that's kind of pathetic. Yeah. My mom was like, my mom, she's, she's actually in the process of writing a, a book now, but. She's always on Twitter and she, all her writer friends are on there. Some of them, you know, d- they're different scales of writers. Like some of them are really, really, really notable published authors and some of them aren't. You know, there's just people she's known throughout the industry over the years. But she's like the, the whole the whole argument of their of them having to pay for the blue check more was like the most <laughs> inter- like like I was just like, I don't even like she kept trying to tell me these things. I was like, I don't even care. Like, I really don't. I was like, I get why. But like. Who cares? Like, yeah, I saw a lot of people are not doing it. Like, I think Joe Biden's not doing it. Jason uh, Alexander's not doing it. Uh, LeBron said, oh, yeah, LeBron I guess you're going to take my blue check mark because I ain't paying $5 a month for that or whatever it is. Yeah, everybody made like such a big deal about it. And some people were like, it's like it, things like that really shouldn't matter. You know what I mean? I can see where people feel like it should. And there's so many different things that go on with it that would make it. Like a, a situation where people need to have that because they feel like they need to have that check by their name, but like at the end of the day, like man, the that really shit does not matter. <laughs> it really does not matter. Did somebody try to compare it to Amazon Prime? I'm like, you get a service with Amazon Prime. Yeah, you get free videos and shit. You like, get man, videos, TVs, you get music. faster delivery. But like to get the verified, I think what on Twitter, I think you could edit your tweets or something. And I think you get priority over like uh, support and I guess more engagement. But also it creates a social construct of of people and it creates like a like a hierarchy. Like it's definitely a haves and have not situation. And I hate that. And I hate that the humans that we in society, we tend to do that um, because I feel like it's so counterproductive to how you should live your life. But um, and how you should treat others. But here it is. It's there. Like in a bear grill situation, is your blue check gonna help you survive? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Probably fu- not. If man. you're fucking starving and freezing to death in the Arctic, <laughs> who gives a fuck about your blue check? Like Nobody. for real. God's Nobody. gonna be like, like <laughs> you don't have a blue check, you die. Do you think that grizzly bear cares if you have a blue check <laughs> <Yeah. or not? laughs> 
<laughs> no oh, shit. Well, I appreciate you doing this, man. Been yeah, fun, absolutely. Been fun. Yeah, I'm glad. It, I'm glad it finally came to fruition. I know, like, it was like October was the original date, but I'm yeah, glad it came through. And when did you say the shows are when again? All right, April fifteenth will be the small town, uh, small room at the High Tone, uh, with lipstick stains, uh, little baby tendencies. And Jay Wick. So it's a, it's kind of a punk show that okay. we're more of a metal band on it, but it's going to be a lot of fun. It's, it's still kind of going to be on the heavy room. And then May, uh, that's April 15th. And then May 10th will be at Growlers where we're, uh, opening up for Death Angel, which is a long term, long time, like old thrash death metal band, which is pretty awesome. So I'm looking forward to that one for sure. All right, man. Definitely have to come out. I'm definitely going to come out next. You said next, it's Friday? next Saturday. Next Saturday. Next Saturday yeah. 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 Next Saturday. Be small high tone. Yeah, I can do that. For show. Yeah. All right, Joey. Appreciate it. Hey, man. Appreciate it, bro. Y'all.